Welcome back to our Strong Agent League Clubhouse recordings. Thank you so much for tuning into this, you know, the replay on our conversation. And, uh, you know, we had a wonderful conversation about mixed Asians in media. I mean, so let me ask you, when's the last time you thought about mixed Asian folks? I mean, uh, multiracial, sometimes we have uh, other cultures, but we never see a ton of mixed Asians or the conversation around it within the media and film industry. And so... We get into this conversation pretty deep and uh, show us examples that uh, of other TV shows, movies, and uh, screeners, even some uh, historical cinema that I've never heard of before. I thought that was really interesting to find. The one movie I did mention in the in, during the clubhouse today, I said uh, Red Crimson. It's actually the Crimson uh, Kimono, which is I think a 1956 movie, and a uh, great, great movie about just an Asian man and a uh, white woman. Like... The conversation around mixed Asian identities also includes like parents and so how relationships start like that. So I think that's a that's a conversation I, I hear a lot. Uh, but I don't. This conversation was very inspiring for myself, uh, for others in the room. It also became um, a thing that most a lot. I think like three people said, um, I I've never had this long of a conversation with this many mixed Asian people in a room before, and I, that. I don't know that that got to me too. Like I don't talk about it that much, and it's very very little. And I, they, but there's so much to be talked about within this community because it's a growing demographic, and we want to be also uh, just connected with other communities who who are also mixed, and that's a very similar experience. So uh, yeah, I, I hope you get to listen to this whole conversation on Clubhouse. I mean, this is a long three hour uh, conversation that we did have. So. You know, I don't expect you to listen to the whole thing the whole time, but, you know, I don't know if there's ever been a conversation like this with this many people recorded in an event like for a podcast or something. So, I don't know. If you want to listen to it, it's been a, it was a really enlightening one. A lot of people did stay in the audience for three hours too, which was really cool. So, um, yeah, you know, I hope to also make these clubhouses on Saturdays. So, uh, at maybe 3 p.m. So definitely tune in for that because I think those are better days that we have a little more time off. Um, and it's not so, I don't know, you can just drop in and drop out. You don't have to stay very long, but you're not at work or trying to do that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's hard to, it's, for me, it's been hard to uh, stop work and do Clubhouse. I enjoy the Clubhouse, but it also becomes like a, you know, it's it's been an exhausting week i'll say that but either way i really had a great time with this conversation this group and these panels um so we have we've got a whole lot of people on this panel we have tony Girus, uh alex chester lauren lola ryan alexander holmes jenny lee gilmore rachel michiko whitney naomi sedgwick and soma helmy these are all uh, most of them are friends of mine that i've met before and other had other conversations and uh, Tony's a new friend now, and Naomi I just met today too. But uh, all these creators have been doing amazing work. Uh, a lot, especially since I know a few of them, what their backgrounds are, and a lot of people have done um, been on amazing sets. Uh, and so please check them all out. Uh, I will have them in the our Instagram, so you just check them. You can follow them. They will all be tagged in our clubhouse uh, post. And so. Yeah, you know, I don't think we did a lot of intros. Everybody's pretty um, humble about what they're doing. And really, we just wanted to have the conversation rather than, you know, try to sell each other. And uh, this is what I'm doing. This was not a conversation about who knows the most, who who can help you do what. It was just I want to be a conversation about um, the media 
and just like talk about it because this conversation just never gets had. You know, I don't talk about it very much. And and come to think of it, I have a lot of mixed race friends and mixed Asian folks that are, you know, around my life. So I think this was a fantastic conversation and into talking about with the media. And we learned a lot of things about each other and a lot about things about the media as well. And so I hope that you get to listen to this conversation for a good hour or so at least, you know, just hear, hear us out a little bit. And uh, yeah, and tune in to another conversation at other times. We will have, we'll get back to this conversation, but uh, it's going to be a while because I think we really want to talk about other things as well. This is, you know, kind of one-offs and we go one at a time. And now that we'll get to record them, you know, we don't have to keep doing it. That's the best thing. So we'll have new conversations every week. Um, we want to make sure that everybody gets represented and that we can talk about different things. Uh, we've got a couple of comments today that, you know, this week it was about, you know, we want, I keep, to, I want to do diversity within the Asian diaspora because that's a really big conversation of how many different stories there are. But we also need um, conversations around the behind the scenes and people who are working, uh, things that we don't talk about. So uh, you're hearing the, in here later today, but, you know, we talk about producers and directors, actors and writers. Those are the people who really make stories and, and are on the show and their front lines and they get to go on the red carpets. But, you know, there are some people who do all the work behind this whole crew of people. Hundreds of people will be on a film set. They don't get, they really don't get the spotlight at all. And so we will be doing more conversations around the diversity of filmmaking because there is uh, actually isn't I don't even know about a lot of podcasts that do that either. So, you know, we, we have friends who are hair and makeup and casting and uh, everything in between. Like, you know, even I've done art deck and and prop mastery that's a lot that's a lot of fun um but you also know no one knows about those jobs and what they do and what they do day to day that everybody has a part to play and you know that's why i think the film industry is also a really great industry to get to because you can start in any department and i think that's really cool you just but it's really good to learn about different things so we will also be doing diversity within uh, filmmaking but yeah we're going to do these also on uh, conversations I also put this at the end. probably at 3 p.m because um, you know, that's the, the best time go for people just to drop um, in these are casual conversations and kind of thought-provoking not something we should be it's not business it's just we want to have the conversation so yeah you know we've been doing trying to do wednesdays and i think that's just busy for me and busy for everybody else and you know that's uh it's exhausting today to do it on a wednesday and so we'll do it on Saturdays now. Um, I might even start it this week because I think that's a good time to do it. So join us on a conversation. We will, I don't know what Saturday will be, but we will find something. Maybe, um, yeah, you know, actually, I think we have a, t- uh, some, tomorrow we're going to put out a, another, drop another podcast, a little mini episode, uh, about 15 minutes. You know, don't be a jerk. That'll be the episode. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think I had three or four people say that on Twitter, like, don't be a jerk. That's the biggest thing. And, so we're going to have a quick conversation. Maybe that will be Saturday's conversation. I will also say my audio is really terrible in this episode, so I apologize. Next, I'll be either closer to my phone or uh, on, our, on this real mic because we have our, we're just having bugs with the uh, recording program. So we'll get there. And with that being said, here's our Clubhouse Conversations on Mixed Asians in Media. Thank you so much for joining our, our club room today. We're talking about mixed agents in media. This is a recorded event, so if my recording program works this time, which it looks like it is, uh, we will have this replay on our podcast um, for Strong Asian Lead. You can share it around and, and do in conversations. If it's interesting, interesting to you, please feel free to, to just refer back to it. Um, <clears throat> but let's start our, our opening, and, and we will take um, 
uh, open uh, Q&As later, but for now, we're just going to keep to this panel so that everybody has a, a nice time to talk about our, our, our ideas, our issues, the uh, what it means to be mixed Asians in media, um, and all the nuances that this conversation might have, because I think, uh, I don't know, oh, and, and please nobody invite people up uh, with audience. That's, that'll just be my job. Um, some of the rules are clubhouses. A little different. I should have explained that earlier too, but my fault. Um, so I'll take, don't worry about all those things. Um, so let's start with our, uh, our opening question today. Um, excuse me, one more, one more housekeeping rules. So um, for those who don't know clubhouse too well, it's really, it's helpful for um, uh, the, those who aren't, can't, who visually impaired to and auditorily um a diff, uh, hard of hearing to say your name and then say when you're closing. So if I'm speaking, I'm someone who is, this is David speaking. And then if I'm done speaking, you know, I'm done, I'm complete, um, pass it over to somebody else just so that they know you're done speaking. And that's very helpful for a lot of different reasons. So if you could do that, that would be great. If you forget, it happens. Um, but let's go down the list. We'll go from Jenny down back to Soma as well, or we can kind of bounce around. Um, so our opening question today uh, is, you know, I would like you to introduce yourself a bit, what's your background, what you're doing, um, and you know, what's, what's some of your goals. But then the opening question today is, do you have a favorite mixed Asian or multiracial relationship uh, movie, TV, series um, that you would like to, you know, people to check out and, and something that you're like, that really made me feel seen um, or something that you just want to, you know, that's something to point out because I feel like I don't see I don't always recognize which ones are, and I don't think I have seen any lists, um, but I would love to see, hear what everybody else's favorites are. So, um, Jenny, do you have a, you know, tell us a little about yourself, and do you have a favorite movie or show? Yes, well, I'm, um, before I do introduce myself, I just want to, I think one of our other panelists, Tony, is stuck in the uh, oh, other that's that's who that was. Uh, I was like, he has no, f <laughs> well, I see what's going on. Okay. Uh, moving forward, how do I invite okay. Because <laughs> he has no, he had no profile, no, no bio, nothing. I was like, who Shut is up. this person? <laughs> Thanks, Jenny. <laughs> Thank like, you, Jenny. I was like, I'm, uh, I'm new to Clubhouse, and I was trying to figure out what was going on, and I'm like, then I got kicked out. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, thank you. I was like, I thought you were not any photo or anything, so my bad. How you doing? How you doing, Tony? How's, how's your day going? So good, far? good, good. Uh, but I don't want to interrupt Jenny. So uh, uh, Jenny was just about to make an introduction. So go for it. And then we'll, we'll get around to chatting. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, Kate, Jenny. Um, hi. Well, welcome, Tony. I'm glad you made it in there. Um, well, hi, I'm Jenny Lee Gilmore. Uh, I'm a Vancouver-based actor and filmmaker. I graduated film school in 2019. And since then, I've just been working a lot. Um, I'm currently developing my first series with CBC, so that's what I've been doing today is writing the pilot for that. Um, I hope, okay, I hope my connection's okay. Yeah. I'm not sure if it Yeah, we can do it. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I was originally born in England. Uh, I moved to Canada when I was 13, and uh, my mom is Chinese-Canadian and my dad is English, so that's my mix. Um, in terms of biracial, multiracial representation that I really like. Um, well, growing up, I didn't really uh, have someone that I knew was uh, mixed Asian, at least in media. So like a, a person I really looked up to was Zendaya because she's biracial. 
Um, so I used to watch her a lot growing up and she was also tall, which is like me. So I think I really uh, liked that as well. Um, but I haven't um, really watched anything that I felt super seen. I think there's a new show out on Netflix that I really want to watch called Shadow and Bone, um, which uh, has a lead who is who is uh, mixed East Asian, Caucasian. Um, but apart from that, I don't really have anything. So any suggestions from anyone here would be great. Awesome. That's uh, good and disheartening, disheartening to hear because it's also like, you know, at the same time, thank you for Shadow and Bones. I didn't know that was, I keep forgetting to watch that one too. But, you know, it's, it's a problem with the industry as well is that there's, you know, we don't know what to even think of. So that's just a, a representation of how little is out there uh, that we can recognize. So, but thanks for the introduction. Yeah, and I would love to hear more suggestions from people. So uh, let's keep moving on to the line. Uh, Alex, you want to introduce yourself and what you're up to? And then uh, what's, do you have a favorite to recommend? Sure. Hey, everyone. My name is Alex Chester. Full name is actually Alexandra F. Chester Iwata, but Alex Chester is just easier. Um, I'm an actor, and I am also the editor-in-chief of Mixed Asian Media, formerly known as Hapamag. I'm also the director of Mixed Asian Media Festival, which will be happening this September. And uh, Lauren Lola, who's also on this with me, is part of it, and, and um, Strong Asian Lead is one of our sponsors. We're very excited. Okay, so my this is a random TV show, and I remember being obsessed with it. And it was only two seasons from 2014, and it's called Helix. And it's a sci-fi series about immortals and, like, science and, and like, a disease that's running and killing everyone and killing immortals. But there's a character, Dr. Julia Walker, who happens to be half Japanese. But she is played by a white woman. Even though her dad in the show, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to massacre this poor man's name just because I'm, I'm terrible at, I'm just terrible of words sometimes, Hiroyuki Sanada. So he plays her dad and she has a white mom, but it is, but she is a white lady, um, Kyra Zagoraski. she's Russian. Um, but that was like a really cool thing to see that there's a supposedly a half Asian character. Uh, yeah, but I was very disappointed to find out she was not mixed. Wow. So yeah. So yeah. so whitewashing, right? It's just Yeah, whitewashing. Little... I mean I, I'm torn and we can get dive deeper into this obviously later because you know as half Asians as actors we tend to play full Asians many times. So then like but we never get to play full white people. So I'm, mm. I'm not I'm not sure how to wrap my head head around this, but anyways, it's a really like cheesy, not that cheesy, but it was a really fun sci-fi show that I really truly enjoyed. And then obviously, I have to I just have to shout out Pen Fifteen. I just love that and the episode where Maya is uh, they're forcing her to be the Scary Spice and the Spice Girls and her having like this identity crisis. Oh my god, I cried watching this episode. Anyways, I'm Alex and I am done speaking. Yeah, that episode in particular was really, really heartening. It's like, oh, how, that's how real it's going to get. And that reminds me of my childhood, too. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, Ryan, how are you doing today, dude? It's like, it's really good to have you back. I'm I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so introduce yourself a little bit, and then uh, what's your some of your favorite recommendations? For reminding me, because I was about to launch into something. <laughs> uh, 
Ryan Alexander Holmes. I am uh, an actor, content creator. I make a lot of content that focuses on identity and, you know, along with identity, learn, knowing how to love yourself and, and realizing that, honestly, flipping the script on a lot of things that we've been conditioned to think about ourselves as mixed people. And I make it funny um, because that's what I want to give to the world. Also, you know, got to laugh, man. Mental health is important. The way I the way I take care of myself is by laughing a lot. Um, but in terms of well, like who I looked up to, T Tiger Woods. I looked up to Tiger Woods. I know there's he's smeared in controversy now, but he wasn't. Um, but he was a blazing that I definitely looked up to. Greatest golfer of all time, hands down. And uh, Heinz Award, uh, Hall of Fame football player. He's half black, half Korean. Um, so, cause I played sports, so I, I really look to a lot of people in sports, but now I'm looking at Naomi Osaka and, uh, all the things that she's done and embracing who she is and both identities fully. Cause I'm all about that being a hunt saying that I'm hundred percent black and a hundred percent, um, Asian Chinese. Um, and also something that really touched my heart recently was watching Michael Norman, who is an Olympic athlete. He, we share an alma mater. He ran track at USC and I went there for, for acting, but I also went to, I also ran track at, at Berkeley, but they did this one minute piece about, <laughs> about him and his family and him growing up. And there's footage of him running track and, you know, his mom being in the stands with his mom's Japanese and his dad's African-American. And, and I called my brother immediately. I was really emotional because I'm like, bro, you got to watch this. Like, I've never felt seen like this before, you know, and, because I've never had that. And I think a lot of us have that experience when we, when we like finally see ourselves reflected and we're like, oh, so this is what it feels like. Like the majority of people who are represented all the time feel this all the time. But for me to feel that, I'm like, man, I have to give that to the world in my own kind of way. And, and that's kind of the journey that I'm embarking on. And I am done speaking. Yeah, thanks for those recommendations. I feel like I don't know enough in sports for sure. I'm not a sports person, but, you know, I, I don't, we don't see, you know, when you find yourself in somebody else, I think that's really, I don't know. It feels like it's coming home, right? It's yeah. Like, you like family. <laughs> I, would, I would also say that the, the TV show Dave has this, um, you know, this budding romance between two characters, Els and Emma. And it, it, uh, the, Emma is uh, Asian and Els is, is African-American. And they don't make a big deal about it. It's just like two people that like are interested in each other and dating each other and getting to know each other. So I'd recommend that. Oh, that's a great, that's a great suggestion. I mean, and, you know, it's, I don't, I'm caught up on it. So maybe I'm missing something, but that's mm -hmm. a really great, great intro to that. Yeah. Who, uh, before, before I move on, who, were the, who was the track player and the football player again? Uh, Heinz Ward, he actually retired uh, mm. several years ago, and, um, but he's Korean and black. And um, uh, Michael Norman, who just finished his first Olympics representing the, the U.S., but he's Japanese and, and African-American. Nice. Thank you all. I'll put those in our, our show notes and keep, keep an eye out there, too. Yep. Um, thank you, Ryan. And Naomi.
Yeah. How are you? Want to introduce yourself to the to the audience and everybody and uh, tell us what maybe your favorite recommendation might be. Yeah. So my name is Naomi. I am a writer and producer. I've mostly been focused on producing professionally, um, but writing has been something that I've always been passionate about. And I think for me, it is wanting to see some more representation um, in media. And so just sort of like wanting to take it upon myself to, you know, write those stories. Um, I think one of the questions that you're asking around, like, what are my favorite shows with um, mixed people is I just don't have them. Like, I don't know if there's been a show that I've seen yet where I feel super seen um, or like really identify with. I think for me that there's been actors that I've seen on screen that I think I you know, love, um, you know, growing up, I loved Vanessa Hudgens and like thought that was so cool to see her in the high school musical, um, Kimiko Glenn and Orange is the New Black, but none of these, you know, shows that I love that maybe have like a Hoppa person in them don't really go explore like what it means. And so I think for me, like, you know, I would love to see some more representation and, um, and media around Hoppa stories, but if you guys have any recommendations, I am definitely open to them. I just, you know, there hasn't been a ton of shows that I've seen. Um, but yeah, I think that's all I have to say for now. I'm sure we'll go into depth around all of this. Yeah, thank you. I think that's, uh, there, there definitely is not enough shows. That's for one for sure. And then even if they are, are mixed or biracial, multi-ethnic, it's, um, it's never played on. It's always the, there's always, playing someone who's supposed to be you know uh a, a fool i don't I hate using fool i don't want to use like pure because it just that doesn't sound right but you know what does that um you know who can we see even people who just are even playing um cross-ethnic identities who aren't even themselves so um and then i think the other thing too you know if anybody has any recommendations it's not just say just for those who are mixed i think that's that's one half of this conversation that we want to have today but also um mixed r relationships too um i have some recommendations that i can think of off the top of my head that are um you know multiracial relationships and i think the that you know they then they have <laughs> mixed kids but then you know, our, all of our parents are are, are multiracial so and, and different so i think that's the other half of this conversation as well um so we'll keep we'll, we'll keep that in mind as we go forward too uh lauren so how are you, you want to introduce yourself to the audience today and uh, share your favorite TV show or movie that's that, that have these topics? <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Lauren Lola. Um, echoing Alex from earlier, I am a writer for Mixation Media, formerly known as Hoppa Mag. And I'm also the director of programming for Mixation Media Fest, which is happening next month. Um, outside of that, I am an author, blogger, playwright, and screenwriter. As far as favorite mixation media representation goes, I had to think about this quite a bit. And one that comes to mind for me is seeing Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. I had never seen The Matrix until two years ago. And when I saw it, I'm like, where has this been my whole life? This movie is brilliant. It is conceptually fascinating. Even though his mixed race background doesn't really play a role in the film, I'm not even sure if his character is supposed to be mixed, to be honest. Just just seeing him in it and seeing how cool the film is, I just, I dig that. Um, but the reason why I was having trouble, you know, thinking up 
an idea for this topic is that, you know, I haven't really seen, you know, characters like me in the media, even though there have been mixed Asians and there have been some mixed Filipinos in the media, there hasn't been a ton. Usually it's either one or the other. Like if there is a Filipino person on screen, it's mainly from a very, you know, just Filipino POV. There just haven't been a ton of stories told from someone who is mixed Filipino American and, you know, as someone who grew up not really having a connection to my Filipino side, it's just something that I would like to see going forward and hopefully I can contribute in some way to that. Um, but that's about it for now. Thanks, Lauren. Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, just we don't see enough of these stories. I think that's the, that's the underlying common denominator here is that we're, we're so looking for them. Um, we're, we see people who have full roles, but not a, just not the storylines or, you know, it's not a part of it. It's very, I don't know, it's very interesting. And we'll get keep going deeper because I feel like there's a lot to, to unpack here as well. Um, I'm going to pass it off to Rachel. Rachel, how are you? And you want to introduce yourself, tell us what you're, what you're working on, some of your background, and uh, do you have any recommendations on TV shows? Yes. Um, hello, my name is Rachel Michiko Whitney. I'm an actor, writer, and producer based in Los Angeles. Um, so I'm actually, um, two of the projects that I'm working on right now are mixed Asian stories. One is a true story about a half Japanese American gangster, and it's based on a book called Breakshot. Um, and the other is a project that I'm developing with Naomi called 100% Half, and that's based on our personal experiences being, um, mixed Asian in LA. Uh, and then... Is my signal still okay? Yeah, we can hear you just fine. Okay, 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 great. Uh, and then in terms of mixed Asian characters, relationships, I do remember the first time that I saw myself or that I so like deeply connected with someone on screen was um, at Sundance a few years ago. It was for a film called Love Song. The director uh, is a Korean American woman and she and her husband co-wrote the film and they cast their two young daughters in it. They were probably like three and six or so, or I don't know, they're, they were young though. And at the end of the film, I just, I had this very intense visceral experience where I just like started sobbing. And I realized it was because it was the first time that I had ever like felt like I saw myself as a young child on screen and, um, I think up until that point, like in my brain, I knew that mixed Asian representation was important, but that really solidified like how important it is um, when it's, you know, this emotional experience takes over. And um, yeah, I just like, I didn't even know where it came from, but yeah. I, so, and, and it's a, it's a great movie, um, but that was the first time that I really like felt seen and I'm done. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what, that was called Love Song. Do you, do you remember the director or somebody? Yes. Uh, Love Song. I believe it's So Young Kim. Let me look. Yeah, I'm just going to write in our notes so we can, people can check for it later and stuff like that. So we can yes. spend some later follow up with that. <laughs> um, no, I think that's uh, it's so good that people have like an, emo an emotional reaction to seeing themselves or seeing a story that I think that's what 
media is really there for. It's to evoke these emotions that resonate with us more than just surface level of entertainment, but an understanding that we see ourselves. And so seeing movies like these, even if it's just mixed Asian, it's not even your specific, um, specific identity, that becomes its own, you know, we're our own demographic of people, right? Where we have our own, um, we have our own similarities within mixed cultures. I think it's a beautiful thing to see that other people are, are you resonate with that, and to hear that you're working on other you know, on projects with Naomi as well, with like hundred percent half. I'm I'm stoked to watch something like that. I think that's we'd love to see what that turns out to be. So thank you for your work, uh, Soma. Good to have you back and here and. You want to introduce yourself to other people and and tell us you know what you're working on or your your crowdfunding and then um, you know if you have any your favorite stories you want to share. Yeah, hi David, hi everybody. Uh, I'm Soma. I am a director and writer. I'm originally from Bali. Um, so a couple of things. Uh, one of my features uh, script is actually in the mixed Asian media lab next month, which I'm super excited about. So thank you. Um, I wrote that with another mixed Indonesian writer uh, who is here in LA, Sam. And um, in terms of uh, shows, I think I talked to you about this, David, on, on your podcast. Um, and Jenny, you mentioned it. Shadow and Bone was actually, to me, just a really beautiful way to portray this. I know that the original character from the book was not a mixed character, and yet they made a conscious decision to make her mixed in the show. And there's this scene where she, Alina, is presented before the king and queen, and the queen leans forward and looks at her and says, what are you? And it was such a visceral, like, gut punch moment for me to see that on screen and to see it represented so correctly and her face falling and she couldn't answer the question because I've been in that situation <laughs> so many times where people have literally asked me, what are you? And to me, that was just like such a game-changing moment for, for television, especially for a fantasy. I, I'm a huge fantasy and sci-fi nerd and it was an incredible moment for me to see that on a mainstream screen um and uh yeah i'm right now actually in a crowdfunding that david mentioned i'm, I'm crowdfunding for an all aapi cast uh short film for a proof of concept it's a romantic sci-fi so yeah that's a little crazy right now and uh that's what i'm busy trying to get up off the ground so i'm salma i'm done speaking wow you know i really need to watch the shadow and bone because people keep telling me about it and like i really stop watching anything else and just turn it on. Maybe that's what the thing I'll watch tonight. So thanks again for that recommendation. Yeah, I think we get that um, that question a lot. What are you? I don't get that one too much. It's just like, where are you really from? Still with that March. But I remember this one time I was, um, uh, I was at my first job, but uh, it was Hollister. <laughs> and my mom took me, my white mom took me to go some shopping. And uh, she's like, you know, you adopted? I'm like, <laughs> I think they would, I don't know if anybody else gets that too, but that's that's always those microaggressions that we just hate. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Uh, Tony, it's good to have you. So sorry I kicked you off the stage. Oh, it's all good, man. <laughs> all good. So good. So uh, I want to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your background, and uh, yeah, if you have any recommendations on, on movies and shows. Sure. Uh, so my name's Tony. 
um first of all i'm pumped to be here you know it's so nice to have a conversation i think with that gap in the media and with other people you know who are mixed race it's such an honor to take part um because i feel like you know we don't really have or it's hard to find people of similar heritage to have that conversation in the industry um i mean for myself i was born and raised in france you know in a smaller town in the alps and so like representation even like just like asian representation was like unheard of where i grew up and so i never really i think i always felt othered but never was able to put like quite put my finger on it but early on i remember actually relating a lot to keanu reeves so lauren i'm with you um but because one of the films that i really loved of his was the replacements i think it came out in like late 90s or early 2000s but he, he plays it it's a football film and uh and i really wanted to play football but there wasn't any teams in my my town and i just fell in love with the film and the character and you know and even as i was listening to everybody talk i think it, it was interesting how i mean back then i think keanu reeves kind of is a pioneer in terms of you know the ethnically ambiguous lead um and then now that we're starting to scratch the surface with having some mixed asian talent on screen um i do find that yeah our story's never been expanded and or you know really dived into um that i think i always felt like i mean with canary specifically i always felt like i associated associated myself with this yeah this kind of like mixed race guy but you know but also being a vagabond because we never really dive into where he's from or why he looks the way he looks or or you know childhood experiences of the character even in the matrix which actually i just rewatched a couple of weeks ago fantastic film and it's but it's interesting how they you know that they picked an ethnically ambiguous person to represent the one to represent uh someone who kind of transcends uh this system and in a lot of ways as i I've come into my identity of being mixed race. I think we do represent this bridge, you know, for society of of all these differences that are leading to a lot of um arguments within society about, you know, differences and like different movements. I think, you know, mixed race people embody those differences and like and like we have no choice but to be of different cultures as opposed to, you know, being from a distance. Um so yeah I mean these these are just uh yeah some of my thoughts and I guess my first uh a first film that came to mind was uh was that yeah Keanu Reeves in in um in replacements, replacements. yeah <laughs> and also in hardball because I played base I also uh played baseball and so if anybody's seen it and in both of those films he's in a relationship with a white woman but I guess Keanu Reeves actually has been with a lot of white women in speed as well uh Yeah, it's probably like the industry, right? Where it's just uh you know, who they going to who they going to hire as a romantic, you know, counterpart. It's always the question. Got to add somebody in there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. I actually haven't seen the replacements or our hard bar so which it does out. I mean, you know, I love Con- Keanu Reeves. I don't think I've seen his whole collection yet. So, yeah, thank you everybody for 
sharing those recommendations, uh, I'll introduce myself and what we're doing. But um, yeah, my name is David Masami Moria. I'm mixed race, Japanese American, and uh, Caucasian. A quarter German, quarter uh, mixed, mixed European. Um, <clears throat> you know, for 25 years, I thought I was a white man. I grew up my my uh, white part of the family. Went to Christmas at you know uh, at my mother's my mother's family. Um, my dad wouldn't really kind of let us like he didn't know his Japanese side. He you know I'm fifth generation, so our our uh, we've been here, our family's been here in the United States since late 1800s. Uh, and after World War II, you know the Japanese American community was put into camps, but also it was like a forced assimilation into American culture. So leaving a lot of Japanese culture behind. So I never grew up with any festivals or. Uh, culture in that way it was always growing up in suburbs of California uh, with uh, almost non-ethnically diverse neighborhood there just definitely wasn't a lot of Asians in the area um, that was it was that was new to me and I think one year I went to uh, Diamond Bar High School just as for a summer and I think that was the most time I've ever seen any so many Asians but I felt so not a part of the group because I didn't feel Asian. <laughs> so uh, that would be my not Asian enough moment for sure. But uh, I was, I had to be told I was verbally reminded I was, I am Asian in, in a nice way. It wasn't like a racist way, but I, but it came to me that I needed to understand who, what my culture was. So um, yeah, being, being mixed is, is a very nuanced conversation that continues to be made, be heard uh, and, and looked at in, in many ways as a community thing of, of what do we need? What do we need as people? What is um, the census around what people are doing? What policies are being made that we that can include? Um, I believe I heard the other day that the mixed identity race, uh, race, mixed identity is the largest or is continuing to be the largest um, demographic group in America just because there's all the cultures are, are mixing mixing and mingling so you know what is what does that mean for the future of um you know of the, of the mixed community uh, i don't know if my friend uh, kenny's in here but we were talking about the other day about his policy work that he wants to do and um how he wants to like really look at what the community needs and i think me and again media is a huge part of that because if we don't like everybody just here said we only had a few names and we had doubles of the names because those are the only people who we had to look at um so i think that's really what we're going to see in the next few years is amazing um mixed people i think the only thing I can, the one thing that keeps coming to mind is like um paxton from never have it ever because that's definitely someone who i've um you know i ever had some relation to that not, not that i'm a jerk but you know <laughs> yeah i had a family uh it's someone who was also uh, mentally mentally different uh, in my family, his sister being that way, I think that was really great how she, he was took care of her. Um, I have my uncle like that. And then, um, but I, you know, I think what bothered me about that and also bothered me about um, to all the boys I never had before, but she was mixed too, right? Um, I never see both the parents together. Um, they're always, one's gone. <laughs> so, or I never see any of them. I think that bothers me a little bit. Um, I also saw, you know, as for mixed, um, mixed relationships, I think I saw, I think it was called day one or one day, uh, on Netflix or one of the shows, one of the streamers. And 
it was based on that true story about the mixed mixed couple. I think that that felt really strong to me. I felt like, wow, this is as much as it's a cheesy love story. It was like, yeah, that's that's definitely me and my life because I've dated white women before too. Um, and it didn't have to be a thing. It wasn't a thing that he was Asian. It was just that's what it was. So that was that was cool. Um, I also really love going a throwback. Um, there's a movie called the the Red Red Crimson, um, and that was like a 1950s movie in little set in little Tokyo. And um, I think it was James Shigeta. I think that's who it was. Uh, and that was a groundbreaking um, movie as well because it's just a mixed race and Japanese. I think that beyond. Um, Setsuwe Harakawa, which where I almost never got the woman at the end. This was a relationship that I had, so I think that was really cool. So yeah, that's my definitely definitely my recommendation. Um, somewhere to find and a classic to go watch as well. So yeah, I would love for this conversation to go in uh, any direction that it might be. This is an open discussion between uh, ourselves and the panel. This doesn't have to be. Uh, I know we just went down the line, but we can go make popcorn style, and I'll pick on people and. Um, pick people, not pick on. <laughs> and uh, we'll just have a, you know, open it up. And if you have questions and have anything to ask each other, please do. I think this is this is a great space to just have, and um, you know, people in, in a town hall situation just have have these things. But we have some uh, topics to go over, and that we can kind of base our our, our ideas around. So I think one of the um, questions I'd like to ask the group, and anybody can pick up, or I'll, I'll call on somebody is. You know, what is the, you know, what do you have, what are your ideas about mixed, mixed Asians in media uh, being either unheard, unseen, uh, playing roles that are um, main for full characters that like we mentioned earlier, but let's get more in depth into that. Or, you know, if, what does going out for auditions, a lot of people here are actors, um, what does going out into auditions feel like when you might not be able to go out for full Asian roles, but neither white roles, but there's no mixed roles. So, you know, what does that feel like? And do you find that you have to hide your identity um, and not kind of play on it? Does that help? Does that hurt? And how does it make you feel uh, about having to hide those things? So uh, if anyone wants to uh, open their mic and start off, uh, let's all call on somebody. Jenny. Uh, yeah, I just turned my mic off there. Um, so for me as an actor, um, and if any other, other actors in the chat may have the same experience or different, is I go in to the room like 99% of the time for fully Asian roles, um, which is often frustrating, um, especially when these roles are written as quite stereotypical or some of their key personality traits are Asian stereotypes. Um, I try to like go into the audition room with an open mind, but it is definitely a, a weird thing to go in knowing that you're definitely not what they're looking for. And I often try become more Asian looking, like I'll straighten my hair a lot of the time. Um, I'm also like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, which is weird when I've had auditions with a dad character, say, and they're like two feet shorter than me. Um, which has happened a lot. Um, but I'd say like in my acting audition career, I've probably had nearly 200 auditions and I've auditioned twice for roles that were written for um, mixed Asian people. And one of them was cast as a fully Asian girl and the other one was Shadow and Bone, which did go to a, to a mixed race person. And that was um, a really cool thing to see. Um, 
yeah and i think i'm done talking for now thank you yeah i think that's uh, and i'm not in the audition world but you know having to feel like you have to appear appear a certain way that's that's always interesting um that that doesn't feel right to me and i hope that more people will be able to say that either if you're going out for an asian role or not for an asian role that it becomes something that it's about and that hopefully i don't know things start the media starts to reflect who we are as we start to have more roles so so if you get cast first and the parents haven't been cast yet that you know for whatever reason that the cat those parents become cast as mixed i think that would be something that would be i'd like to see more alex so i actually have a story that follows that i booked a national commercial uh right before the pandemic hit and I, I won't name the name but it was they were looking for an asian bride or uh, it was a wedding scene so i booked it and i was in the process of like their productions calling me agents calling me okay you got you got to dye your hair brown alex i'm like okay i, w- I will do it for this commercial cuz it's it's going to it'll pay well um so anyways like i was about to dye my hair and my agent calls and goes bad news they're going a different direction they had some issues finding a mom so they're going with a white family instead and i was just so like just taken aback by that that they wouldn't have one hired a mixed family or two so i'm asian enough to be asian but i'm not you know white enough to play white uh there it was it went I I had a whole thing I luckily SAG was amazing and then they were going to do an investigation into like this whole thing and ultimately decided not to just because of pressure from my uh, my agent and my friend who also booked it was supposed to play my dad he's he's Asian um and we were afraid that we would never get hired again commercially so there's that but yeah I thought that was just to play off of what you said David um that was very disheartening when that happened wow Wow, I'm really sorry to hear that. That feels like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happened? Can you talk more about the lawsuit? Did that did that turn out oh, to anything? We didn't or... do that. So what we did was we just made sure that we got paid, which we did, um, and that was great. We we got our money, but um, they SAG was like, if you do do this, you know, you can. Do, they will production's going to find out that it's you because how could they not? And there is a possibility that you will get blacklisted. And my agent was very, as much as I, I do love who I'm with, they, they, were, they were also worried that that might happen. So I, talking to my friend Clem, who was going to be playing my dad, we really decided that it just wasn't worth our, worth our livelihood in that sense. You know, I, I try to do so much as I can for the community for mixed APIs. And it really, to this day, it still bothers me that I didn't pursue suing them because I was afraid that I would miss out on my livelihood because it is. That's really how I make my bread and butter is commercials. And to, to further on commercials is I tend to book ambiguous. That, that tends to be the thing. And for a long time, because I've been in this industry since I was five, I would just go by Alex Chester, my mom's last name, um, just because, just because. But recently, I've started saying my name is Alex Chester Iwata because I've noticed a shift within the industry of wanting to fill that uh, check mark, you know, of like, oh, we got an Asian or, you know, instead of, oh, we have someone ambiguous. So, so far, that's what I've been saying. And it's been working, but it's, it's, 
it's weird. Like, I feel like I have to play up my Asian-ness, um, whatever the hell that means. I'm third-generation American on both sides. And it's just a weird line to walk. Um, I, I would love to talk to more people about this. I'm, I'm, anyone here. Uh, it's just it's just an odd spot to be put into. But I definitely noticed that casting is like, oh, you are Asian. Cool. You checked this box. Great. We'll move you on to the next round. And I'm Alex and I'm speaking. Yeah. Wow. That's um. So before we get to Ryan, before I want to comment on a few things, but I think that's really important to talk about as well as just what does the Asianness mean? And I definitely want all one to Ryan, but I definitely want to come back to that because I feel like checking a box, and especially if you're using mixed people, but casting it ambiguously, but then using that that checkbox to like, oh, we have the Asian. That's it. That's really weird, and I I think that's appropriating our identities and then you said you were third generation did you say you're gosai gosai i don't know because i'm a really bad japanese <laughs> it's okay we'll, we'll, we'll add at, um third generation uh, each one two three each nissan so your sansei that'll be that'll be yours i'm gosai so i'm fifth generation because each nissan she go and that will, that's uh certainly numbers it'll get there but i was like okay wait <laughs> just wanted to click clarify um Ryan, yeah, what and it, you have a response to Alex's? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Asian, but like I'll never play it. an Asian. It's what it seems like, unless I write that character for myself, which you know I'm doing, and also creating my own content. So this, I feel it like, you know, I think that something that's liberated me is creating my own content because I'm not, I don't feel like I'm at the whim of casting because. You know, I've been with, uh, I used to model before I acted and like, they'd always try to change me and tell me to change and change my hair and do things that would make me more commercial. But when I look back at that, I'm like, oh, you were trying to make me more palatable to whoever's casting and we know who's casting, you know? Um, But I just (laughs) shot a commercial where I'm I'm playing a character named rodriguez you know so then i have that too we're like i look i look like like most of us i look at ethnically ambiguous but i don't look asian at all to to most people and and when i say i don't look asian i don't really believe that i believe that the world is conditioned from lack of mixed representation is what we're talking about in this group People are conditioned to think I don't look Asian, but I literally am. It's in my blood. So the only thing that's going to change that uh, is is forms like this, you know. No, I think that's that's and, and making your own content. I think that's the biggest thing too. And, and I learn a lot from your content just to see like what what the perspective is. And you make it in such a funny way. I think it's it's fantastic to just also understand that you know just because you don't people don't see you as Asian it doesn't mean you're not Asian and what it really means is that Asian is so much more than what you think it looks like yes you're the example (laughs) it's 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 and it's also you know changed my purpose in life I was talking to my friend the other day and we were both laughing you know as we I don't even want to say ascend but I'll say ascend you know to to uh, higher levels in this industry and start to get work and start to make contacts we were like man like when we started 
like three or four years ago after grad school, we really thought our purpose in life was to be an actor. Like, and it's funny because that's not my purpose in life. My purpose in life is to, is to make the world a better place and express myself to do those two things jointly, you know? And the acting is just a means to do that. And I love it, but it's not my purpose in life, you know? So I approach everything I do with that understanding. And it's painful to hear, you know, the stories in, in my comments about people realizing how they've been conditioned to think about themselves for so long, especially my mixed fam out there. Like, we're beautiful as, as hell. And we are, we are unique. And, and a lot of the backlash that we face is jealousy and misunderstanding. And that has nothing to do with us. So I'm always a huge proponent of owning our story. And what we're realizing is that when we do that, you know, there's a whole community of people that we were not connected with and couldn't have been connected with had we not shared our story. I'm done speaking. Mm, yeah, Rachel. Hi, it's Rachel. Um, so, well, one really quickly, going back to what you said earlier, David, about the mixed race population growing. I read an article on CNN the other day and um, just a quick quote, the growth in the multiracial population in the 2020 census was significant. There were 9 million people in 2010 who identified with two or more races compared to 33.8 million people in 2020. That's a 276% increase. Thank you. Well, thank you for that. That's that. That's, that's really incredible. Yeah. So, um, and just talking about making your own content, that's uh, four years ago, Naomi and I made a short film called 100% Half. The TV series that we're developing now is a little bit different, but we made that short film because, yeah, at the time, you know, I was, I guess, getting the feedback like, oh, I'm not, Asian looking enough for this role and then I didn't fit in with the white family for this role and it was just I don't know it just makes you feel like where do I fit in where do I belong and and that's why um Naomi and I made that short film so that we could you know express how we were feeling because Naomi also has some uh experience working as an actor um and yeah so I think creating your own content like that's that's the way to do it because there need to be more mixed race stories told and they need to be told by people who are mixed race so that they're authentic. Um, and yeah, I'm done. Ryan, you have something to say? Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I just want to piggyback off that and say, you know, the industry can make us think that we are our identity. <laughs> but we're, we, are, we are our identity, but we are so much more than that. And that's what I'm also a proponent of, too, because, like, we are finally, as Asians, really rising up and, and, and making our voice very loud. But I feel like we don't, we don't want to get lost in the idea that we are solely defined by our Asianness, and that's our sole um, uh, definition for ourselves. We're much bigger than that, and there's diversity amongst Asians and mixed Asians, and we all like to do other different things, and we're all unique in our own specific way, and that's what we should also be shining a light on, too. Yeah. Mm. 
I think bringing, bringing that content into it and shine, making sure that we're shining the light I think, into a degree that you know, we're not putting it on the nose, but we're also, you know, it's kind of like our responsibility to a degree. I find that myself when I, when I realized I was Asian, it was like a responsibility that I had to speak about Asian things just because, you know, I don't speak about it. But it's not enough to talk about, but even just in my mixed identity, it's like, what does that, what do we do if we're not, if we're, we don't want anybody, anybody else speaking about it. So, or, you know, cause they don't understand that kind of content about us without us. So we have to like pick up that responsibility as well. <clears throat> um, and also, you know, just as a side note, uh, you know, no one has to, uh, you can respond to people without me having to call on you. It's not like a call and answer. So feel free to just um, respond to somebody freely. Uh, just make sure to say your name so, so the listeners can know who's, who's talking as well. Um, Naomi, Soma, Tony, do you have any uh, add to add to the actors or Lauren on, on representation in what that is? Or we can move on if you want to add to the topic is, um, you know, going back to the Asian-ness uh, and how does that feel too? So uh, anybody else have some uh, Soma? Yeah, hi. So Soma, um, not necessarily from an actor's point of view, obviously, because I'm a director and a writer, but in terms of writing for a character, I mean, that's the reason why I wrote the feature that's in the lab now. I wrote uh, half in, a mixed Indonesian girl who lives out in Texas because I had never seen anything like that on film before, and I really wanted to tell a story like that. And then as I was writing it and when we finished it, Sam and I finished it, actually the question of casting it came up because we, between us, didn't know anyone in this age range that was going to be able to play the character. She's a 12-year-old half or mixed Indonesian girl, you know, who is an Asian-American, so to speak. And so we, we came up with the problem I guess you could call it of how are we going to cast for this and that's already you know a question in my mind even though obviously the film hasn't been developed that far yet hopefully it will be but you know so from the other side of things I also come up with the you know that's that's a an issue that I'm already thinking about like how do we cast specifically for that for those characters because I think the first thing that a producer might come on board and say is like well does she have to be specifically mixed Indonesian and my answer is yes she does it might be difficult it might take years to cast her possibly but I think to honor the character I am going to try my hardest to try and find somebody who is of the same uh, mix I don't know how it's going to happen but I'm going to make it happen um, and the other thing I really wanted to um, kind of chime in on is what Ryan was saying about not looking Asian because that has been my whole life experience. Uh, I grew up in Indonesia not looking Asian and not being Asian enough so I don't know if anyone else has like grew, grown up you know in Asia um, having this kind of experience and it was a, a very I guess um, interesting way to grow up where the country that you were born in also you weren't exactly accepted because you were not that enough. So it's such an interesting thing, and I really identify with what you're saying, Ryan, because I've had that, and it's only in the last few years where I'm having those conversations with myself, just, you know, like, you are enough. I am not half of a person or, you know, all these things. I was actually told recently that I was half of the diversity, like, half of me fit in the diversity 
group that I uh, program that I was in, and I couldn't quite figure out what they were saying. It's like, wait, you mean like my left half or my right bring, half? Bring half of yourself. <laughs> exactly. So it was a confusing moment. But really quickly, I, I'm having a meta moment right now because I believe Tony, you are in one of my favorite shows uh, on TV right now, Motherland Fort Salem. And correct me if I'm wrong. And. Oh. No, yeah, I, I am. I am. Okay, and I remember seeing you on the screen thinking, he must be a mixed person and wondering what your um, identity was. So this is so interesting that this is happening on this panel because I was just looking at you on, I think, yesterday. I was watching an episode thinking, wow, he looks like a really interesting mixed person. I wonder what what his story is so lovely to meet you here hello well, hi someone yeah <laughs> lovely to meet you and and actually yeah to bounce off to some of the things that you're saying but earlier you were kind of more talking about on the casting side and what you know how long it would take to cast someone who was mixed indonesian i think you said um but i think from an actor's perspective for me i i understand that I'm a wild card and I, you know, I've been acting for a few years more seriously. And, and I think I just understand that most of the time, you know, I'm a wild card and people don't know where to place me. And that's something that I've come to terms with um, just because I'm aware that the stories of what it's like being mixed race or a mixed race character, I think are very still uh, f how do you say, like far and few between. Um, I've been lucky, you know, to work on projects where the characters were written as mixed race. But I think, you know, there's very few creatives who are behind uh, the screen or even in front of the screen who um, are have the power to tell those stories to mass media. And it's... So for me, it's it's a matter of, you know, patience and, and yeah, doing what I can. And I think it sounds like here everybody is a content creator. And I think that's that's kind of what we have to do. Um, being a content creator myself and like wanting to tell the stories that appeal to me uh, because the industry, I think, is filled with so many politics. And as an actor, we're, like, I'm such a little piece of it um, that it can get just more so frustrating <laughs> to to be waiting for the phone or to be waiting for a casting for a character that I know I have a chance of uh, being cast because I'm not because I'm the wild card and because so often yeah I'll go out for I mean I have a fantastic uh, management that you know I I go out for a mixture of either like Caucasian roles or like Asian roles or ethnically ambiguous but it's um, it's it, yeah, I think it's a battle and something to accept. I'm, I mean, I've been lucky. The first character that I played that was mixed, meant to be mixed race, was I did a lifetime film um, that was the first Asian-centered, uh, first holiday film with an Asian-centered cast. And the writer, who's Eileen, she, I can't remember her last name, but she's a she's mixed race, and you know, and she wrote the 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 lead guy to be mixed race and and you know when i read that script it's so delightful to see asian american culture being represented and there being uh a character you know that that i feel like oh i'm not having to play caucasian or i'm not here trying to feel like a full asian character so it's uh 
So it's interesting, yeah, from the uh, f from the actor's perspective, that's kind of my piece on it. Um, and I, I guess just to bounce off of, you know, everything that we've been talking about so far is like, um, I think, you know, Rachel mentioned that I used to act and this was like 10 years ago. So a lot has changed, but I just remember in some ways being defined by race, like not being able to go out for roles that were, you know, that I might identify with. I was going out kind of based on race and, you know, I was like in high school and I remember one of the casting directors was like, you know, you should be playing more like badass characters, which I feel in retrospect is sort of just like a stereotype of like what mixed Asian people can play. Um, because at the time I was like more just like the shy nerd and I was just like, I just don't know if I identify with that. So I think I'm just going to quit acting. Um, and, you know, I think ultimately I wasn't, you know, that passionate about acting or, you know, that great at acting, which is sort of why I found my place in other, in other parts of, you know, the media industry. But um, I think it's an interesting conversation because I, I do think it's so important, you know, to what Ryan was saying to like, not just be solely defined um, by identity. Um, but also, I think, you know, growing up, those are some, I think, formative years in how you might view yourself and so I remember again I guess I just like bring up all these like Disney shows like High School Musical but you know one of the characters growing up was or shows was Wizards of Waverly Place and I remember kind of watching that show and not like thinking oh you know Alex Russo is meant to be this like mixed person she's not she's supposed to be I guess you know looking into it she's meant to be this like half Hispanic half Italian person and I think growing up I like didn't register that at all um and so I think that you know having this representation you know and somewhat talking about it in media is just so important because I think I was struggling you know I, I grew up in a very white town with a lot of you know white schools white people white people and so I think like I was struggling really to find like my identity and so I think you know for some of those you know shows that are focused on reaching young people I just think it's so important to like have some sort of representation there um I've kind of gone on a tangent but um you know I I think all I have to say really is like representation is so important and at some point in time like I'd love to see like how about people not just talking about you know what it means to be um mixed but I think also just so important um so that's it for now Thank you, Naomi, and thank you, Tony, as well. That, you know, talking about like us mixed people talking about it and 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 doing what we can is what we what we're we're kind of left with. And like these these conversations like this don't happen very often. Like mixed Asian media and their fest is doing amazing work. So I think that conversation continues to grow there, and I think that's what needs to happen. But I really want to see what Hollywood talks about because I don't think they ever talk about it. Um, not in a really nuanced sense. And I think it's always very um, single-minded about what, what these stories are and and what they can be. And when you have someone who's mixed, they don't know what to do with the storyline or have to think it has to be one way or the other. The, being mixed storylines are confusing because you have to add those um, 
the elements like it has to be explained it doesn't have to be explained it just has to be what it is so i think there's so much more um i think i saw jenny's might go off jenny do you have something to respond to yeah uh this is jenny speaking it's so fascinating hearing everyone's different experiences with being mixed i don't think i've ever had like a full conversation with any mixed people about um the uniqueness that comes with that identity um back when i was in school i made like a short documentary about my experiences growing up mixed race called more than just a half and i think that was the first time um, i'd shared that experience and i always thought i was very alone in that sense that i was the only person that experienced that until i had that film played places and people um, had had similar experiences and it was so nice to finally find other people that understood um, the gray area of growing up mixed race. Um, so for me, I, yeah, I grew up in a really Caucasian town, well, village. I think there were more sheep than people in the village I, I grew up in in England. And um, being Chinese was one of my biggest insecurities grow as a kid. And uh, I think for me, it's only been the past few years where I've really grown to love that side of me. And that's been like a very beautiful journey, but it also reflects how like important representation is on screen because um, that's how we learn to view ourselves and what we're able to be and, and become and who we are. Um, and in, in terms of casting and what everyone's been talking about, I think it's really interesting because mixed race people straddle like the multiple lines of identity and when, and when casting has categorized people by race and you don't fit into that, um, it's it's very challenging. So I think it would be amazing to see kind of a new category being made where it isn't defined solely by being full of one race or the other. And I think there's very unique lived experiences with being mixed race. And uh, it was really funny listening to you, David, talk about how people thought you were adopted because people always think when I go out with my very white British dad that I'm his very young girlfriend, which is always really awkward for us. Um, I but, have had you, that too. <laughs> you have? Okay. I'm so, it's so awkward. Um, so we, yeah, I've been called his wife. I, I don't know. Um, but it actually never happens when I'm out with my mom. They always, they always understand that we're related. Um, but yeah, that's a very unique thing, I think. So I'm glad Soma that someone else has, has dealt with that. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm done speaking. It's so wild. Yeah. There's just so, uh, I don't know, just unawareness is that the whole proximity is creates comfort and understanding, but if there's not there, they just don't understand and get very mixed up. I don't know. It's confusing. Uh, Alex, you had a, had a response. Oh, I did. Um, actually, Jenny, have you heard of um, Almost Asian? Sh she does a skit that is brilliant. That is about that. Like how they assume her dad is her uh, older boyfriend. Um yeah, you should check it out if you haven't seen it. It's I, very funny. But I will. What's it called? Almost, almost Asian. It's by Katie Malia. She's she's wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I think you'll. I think everyone in this room will appreciate all of her skits that she has come up with. They are on the nose and just encompass the whole experience of being mixed Asian. <laughs> but I I was gonna say I uh, we're talking about. To, talking about like representation and 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 not having to say that we're mixed or that I explain our presence in 
in TV film. And I, I have to say, um, Disney's actually starting to do a very good job at this. Uh, we're covering a couple of things for them in our next issue and uh, want, getting a chance to see some of the screeners. I was like, wow, go Disney. This was not the case 10, 15 years ago, but they are definitely doing some good stuff for the mixed API community, I have to say. And um, randomly, Tony is going to be featured in our next issue as well. Tony's body. Come on. <laughs> so, Let's yeah. go. Um, but I just, yeah, that, I just had to share that. I was very, very pleasantly surprised. And uh, and Lauren Lola, who one of the writers of MAM, is, has written some really cool stuff. Uh, she wrote a play that's, I, she's just a brilliant writer, and I'll, I'll let her talk about herself. But yeah, that's all I have to say. I'm done talking. <laughs> yes. Lauren, yeah, I would love to hear about your creative writing and what um, what you're building and if, what storylines you, you're you're trying to create to to either represent or what what you feel like needs to be represented yeah well um the play that alex is referring to is has since been converted into a short film and wait can you hear me yeah okay? it was a little choppy at the beginning but you're okay now okay um yeah i did a play now short film called an interview with an Oswang. And it's very Filipino-American focused, which is my heritage. And, you know, I, I touched on it briefly earlier, but I'll say it again. I did not grow up with too much of a connection to my Filipino side. And so from my adolescence on, it was all about, it's been about reconnecting with that side of my family. And so I think this is just another iteration of that. Like I'm at a place now where I feel ready to incorporate Filipino-American characters into my stories. And and do it as authentically as they can possibly be. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just like, I'm trying to figure out how to answer this question. But, like, as far as incorporating my, like, the mixed race portion of it, I'm getting there. I think I've been a bit resistant to it for the longest time. One of them being that I've been worried that people would read or watch what I've written, and they'd be like, oh, this person's based on the author because she's also mixed race because that never happens to white people, right? <laughs> and so um, then I got to the point where I felt like now I feel ready to even do that. Um, even even though once again, even though I feel like there's a lot of mixed race Filipinos in the industry now, especially in the music industry, it's a narrative that hasn't been as so roughly explored, um, especially when there's you know, of the mixed race Asians I see a lot on screen these days, a lot of them are East Asian, which is a conversation in of itself. Um, Southeast Asians haven't been getting a lot of their due, in my opinion. So I want to help contribute to that. It's about like representing these two different sides of me, um, being mixed race and also just being Filipino American. Um, so interview with interview with an Osborne is definitely a step in one of those directions. And then a few weeks ago, and Alex, you don't know this yet. You're about to find out for the first time. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I got attached to be the writer for an animated film. Yeah! Where... Hey, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's a very, it's a very Filipino story. Um, I think there's an all-Filipino team behind it. I can't really say what it's about right now, but there will be a crowdfunding campaign for it this fall, so tune in for that. But in the conversation with the director, 
<clears throat> leading up to whether or not I wanted to take this on. He reached out to me personally asking if I wanted to do this. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, like the, the imposter syndrome is real. Like, I've never written for animation. I don't know this the story too well that I'm going to be writing. And I'm also a mixed race because I'm like, are you sure you want me to be the one doing this? Like, I don't know. I don't know. And he said, yes, because you don't know the story. And I'm like, my lack of knowledge is an advantage. <laughs> and he said, yes, and here's why. Because when you do learn about it, you'll be able to give it a fresh perspective to it. Maybe one that even I don't have. And I'm like, oh, hmm, never thought of it that way. I gave it another, I thought about it for the next few days, and then I said, yeah, I'm in. So that's slowly starting to become in process, or slowly starting to become in progress. Um, I'm not sure if anybody said has made sense, but that is my answer, and I'm done speaking. No, that was great, and congratulations on, on getting that position. I, and I think that there's a lot to, to speak on to that. Whether it be, you know, have you feeling like you can speak on your your background in a culture, right? I think for a long time, I didn't speak about Asian culture at all. I didn't speak about it and write about it. Even the first script I wrote with Asian, I had only written scripts with white people. Like that was my first like four scripts. I didn't think about it. And then when I decided to put Asian characters in, um, I actually, my first one was Asian women, but it was also based, it also just had so many tropes. Like, I think I just had so much bad perspective of what uh, Asian and Japanese, um, not culture, but characters could look like and what, what would be interesting. I was always playing to what the media is already like looking for. So it was always, you know, things like Godzilla or uh, movies or, you know, Bonsai is like figuring out like, oh, these are the popular things. And I think that, clouded my mind as well but at the same time you know being not so involved with the culture and then coming into it what I found was I'm very interested in interested in learning more instead of thinking I already know already know so that I'm not so I like what your, even your director says like you're coming in with a fresh perspective because when you do learn the story when you do get to understand you're going to come with a new appreciation for it but something that you know in an older in a different perspective that how does it make you feel instead of someone who's already lived it with that story for so long i think that's it's a really it's an advantage to to a degree because then you're even you'll even if you have to go uh, research and do more you're going to learn things that um some people already know but they might only know surface level you're going to find out more so much i think that's I love that perspective as well. Hey, I appreciate you hearing that. Ryan, did you have something you were wanting? Yeah, I uh, have a experience that I almost want to say is the opposite. I was raised with my Chinese family in a Chinese neighborhood. And I had this experience with my writer friend who was going through the uh, the writing process at Sundance. He had wrote a, He's black and Thai. And had wrote a story about Thai people. And I remember asking, like, do you feel, like, comfortable? Like, is that almost like, is that allowed for you to write a story about just Thai people that aren't, like, mixed? They're just Thai? And he's like, yeah, bro. Like, why can't I? And I had to ask myself, like, why can't I talk about what it's like to be a Chinese man or write a Chinese story when I was literally raised Chinese? And it was a crazy moment where I'm like, 
wait, hold up. Like, why did I even think that way? I was, I, I'm, li- I'm literally Chinese. Yes, like the world maybe has ostracized me and made me feel like I'm not. And I, to them, I don't look like it. But I literally had a Chinese experience. I grew up <laughs> celebrating all the holidays. I speak the language. But yet still in my mind, talking to my friend, and I'm so glad I had that conversation. I'm like, I can write a story about a Chinese person and Chinese people, especially the Asian American experience, because my experience is the Asian American experience. And it's, it's funny, too, because it's, it's, it's so funny just me being myself and me constantly making content, speaking about my experience. And Asian Americans will, will reflect my fears and what I felt like I couldn't do still to this day. And, and now I'm strong enough to be like, wow, they're so wrong. And they're so conditioned to ostracize me still and think that they are like 100% justified in the way that they're saying, in the words that they're saying. Like, you, you don't understand what it's like to be like us. Like, you're, you, you, you have no idea what the Asian American experience is like. And I'm like, and now I just laugh because I'm like, I, I do. Very much so. And it's kind of sad, but also ironic and funny that you would say that I, I don't, you know? So it's, it's it, I constantly have these eureka, dawn of awakening moments over and over as I explore constantly in my writing and in my content creation and, and also just being an actor and looking at these breakdowns. And I just did a show that's not released yet on Apple TV where <laughs> uh, I'm speaking Chinese. And I remember getting that audition and I'm like, where, who else are they gonna find that can do this, that, that, that is black, can do a British accent and can speak Chinese? Like, if I don't get this role, I have to get, I have to get this role. Like, I, I really wanna meet and talk to the person, the other person that would get this role so we could be best friends for life. You know, but it, it, the more that I express myself, the more these opportunities come. Still didn't play a Chinese man, but I got to do something that I never thought that I would be able to do. I'm done speaking. Wow, incredible. Ra- uh, Rachel or Naomi? Um, yeah, so, well, one, Lauren, congratulations. That's very exciting. And then going off of what both you and Ryan were just talking about, Um, I mean, speaking for myself, and it sounds like you guys are in the same boat and maybe other people are too, I feel like I always think, oh, I don't know if I'm right for this. I don't know if I'm good enough for this. I I, I don't know if like my background makes me qualified for this. And, and then I have friends, um, you know, I would probably say mostly white men who would never think twice about that. And they're just like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's actually like kind of inspiring sometimes just to see people just like go for things without questioning whether or not they're qualified. And maybe they are, maybe they're not. But I mean, I know that's something that I have to work on personally is like being a little bit more confident in my ability and um, to write stories that maybe I don't think I'd be right for like the, um, the gangster story that I'm working on. I, I mean, one, because it's a true story and I, I talked with the guy and he's half Japanese American. And I think that really 
meant a lot for him. And, but I was like, I don't know why this person would ever give me the rights to his story. But, you know, I worked really hard and I, I did so much research and, um, you know, I was able to talk to him whenever I, I needed to. And, um, yeah, so I think, uh, Lauren, you're going to do a great job and you're, you definitely deserve the job that you got. Okay. I'm done. Thank you so much, Rachel. That's really cool. Yeah. I think that's, um, being able to speak with people who understand, uh, what, what everybody's working on and, and try to help each other do these, do these interesting stories. And when, even when I find mixed Asians, especially mixed Japanese Americans, like I understand your story to a, a lot and i think and we'll get to that question actually let's i, I want to get that now too so uh, alex rachel and naomi we're all japanese american mixed right is everybody did everybody have a uh, family in the camps yep so yes. i had an interesting i think my family has an interesting background in that they were living in hawaii so i actually think a majority of my family we're not in the camps, but they were here in the States. Got it. Yeah. And Hawaii's got its own story of that too, of what it was and what did and did not happen there. And some people were in camps, but it just wasn't as massive, massive removal as the West coast. But you know, something I think about um, and what I've done in my research of Japanese American culture and history is that there was such a forced assimilation that a lot of Japanese didn't marry into Japanese cultures anymore. It really married into the, the white uh, white assimilation. I see that uh, with my family. I see that with a lot of my friends' families. And it's it's just, it's like that's a, I don't want to say it's a norm, but it's definitely a pattern that I've seen throughout history um, in, in our Japanese-American culture because it's so, I don't know, a lot of people were just, it was, they were forced not to be Japanese. And so when everybody, like, a force assimilated to that, they would just be so, against being with other Japanese. That was a huge thing. So the community was very much lost after the war and people had, had out, outward outward marriages. So I just, I found that to be really interesting. That's, you know, it's the same thing with like uh, names. You know, a lot of us have, uh, you know, American English first names and uh, even, even myself as Bible names. I heard that I was in a rap once. I'm just an Asian with a, uh, a Bible name. I'm like, yeah, that's me. Because you just feel like... Um, you know, there's just a, a way of like an racial erasure culture. And I just, I don't know. I, I find that when I find other Japanese Americans and, and uh, there's that difference between, there's that difference too, because not every Japanese American um, descendant was in camps, nor uh, some people who came before the war and the Shin Nikkei who come after the war. There's a huge difference in that perspective as well. Um, so like even when I talk when I have people talking about uh, the camps and like your family wasn't even there the intergenerational trauma is very different from you than it is from me and what it is even from somebody from Hawaii so like even I have a problem with a story that's going around now I'm like you I don't know if you should be able to tell that story because that's really it's not their story um, and that's why and then that's how I see it even in especially in our culture but in other cultures as well is that generational differences um in storytelling make a very big difference too uh and so even if you're mixed um you know what's the story 
when somebody figures out that they're mixed, but their whole entire family doesn't either look like it, feel like it, but they feel different. Um, like if I'm being honest with myself and my, and, and being here is my, I grew up again, not being feel like I was Asian. I wasn't, my family was ostracized, not ostracized from the family, but my father ostracized us from the rest of the Japanese side of my family. And then later in life did I start to appreciate my Japanese culture. And now I, you know, grandma's my best friend and I can see why you know, family is and, you know, all the traumas in our, in our past, but like my sisters don't think they're Asian. They know they're Asian, but they don't, they're not Asian. They will, I'm, I'm American. Right. And they, they push away that culture and they're very white passing. So they, they don't, they don't get that same thing, but they don't also embrace the culture. And like when I'm in a family dinner, I feel like I'm the only Asian there. And that feels really weird too. And I, and I, and I don't know if anyone else feels that as well sometimes. Um, David, do you mind if I chime in? Yes, please go ahead, Lauren. So even though I'm not Japanese American, I actually find a lot of what you just said very relatable. And this is why. So I'm third generation Filipino American. My grandfather was an immigrant from a region called Bicol in the Philippines. And so I feel like for me with my Filipino American friends, I think especially within here in the Bay Area, which is where I live, um, yeah, a lot of them, either they're the children of immigrants or they're 1.5 generation kids. Like they came here when they were really young. And so as far as family dynamics slash generational experiences goes, I probably have more in common with you than I do with a majority of my Filipino American friends, which is so funny to say because you look at the histories of the Filipino American community and the Japanese American community, and they are very, very different, but very similar experience to you. Like my dad kind of cut us off from our Filipino heritage because his father, I'm just going to say it, his father was emotionally and mentally abusive and he didn't want um like like even before i came along like he was worried about what kind of father he would be um and so i guess for him like the most logistical thing was to cut us off from our filipino heritage which is why i didn't grow up a lot around the culture or the food or the traditions or anything like that until i became much older but i think through my own pursuits with connect reconnecting with that side of my family um I think that has opened up his eyes and his mind to remembering like the good aspects of being Filipino that doesn't have anything to do with who his father was. And that involves like, you know, going out for a Filipino food once in a while, getting to see, you know, what Filipino American actors are making a big in Hollywood right now, getting to, you know, hear stories from my dad about his favorite Tita, who was, you know, just definitely one of the most impactful people in his life and so on so um you know like i think with any culture really there's like there's good things and bad things about it and so in this instance it was just all about remembering what the good things are about being filipino american and embracing that and i'm done speaking <laughs> yeah thank you jenny yeah um this is jenny speaking I think I'm having one of those, what Ryan called an epiphany moment. I think that's what he called it, um, where I'm just realizing how many different 
stories and, and diversity there is within, within the umbrella of what mixed Asian and Asian means. Um, I think we, we all have such different backgrounds, although similarities. Um, and within Asian, that is such an umbrella term because I often, with my own bias, think mixed Asian is Caucasian, East Asian, and obviously it's not. Um, but I also think that's the only uh, mixed Asian I've been uh, surrounded by. Um, but there is so much diversity within that. And then how we also relate to our own identities as mixed race. I think initially hearing uh, like Rachel and is it Naomi talking about your project together about being mixed race. I was like, that sounds so cool. And then I was like, oh, shit, wait, I, I like I want to do a project like that. And then now I'm realizing, wait, there is space for all of us to do that. And there's space for all of us to tell our stories because they're all so different. Um, and uh, there is not just one slot or spot for a mixed race show, if that makes sense. And uh, I'm done speaking. All righty, and we're going to take a quick break right now uh, and go to the next episode. Uh, I found out that Anchor has a time limit of three hours. So we're going to split this episode into two hours. Uh, you can you can chop off the other half uh, if you want to check it out later. Um, but we have to we have to take a break. So uh, we will get right back to the next episode. We'll post it right away. But if you want to stop here, this is the midway point. Okay. Okay. Thank you for the quick break. Um, we're back on the episode. I won't introduce it very long. Uh, if you're still listening, thank you for listening. I really appreciate you. Uh, you know checking out our words and checking out what we're doing here. So, and thank you. So, all right, we're back to the episode. Yeah. Thank you. Ryan and Rachel. And then I want to, I want to, uh, call on Tony for a question. Okay. Yeah. Uh, man, history. So important. Um, I think I, I've launched into embracing my Asian heritage publicly <laughs> within the past like year and a half. And, it came from so much pain from my brother and I, you know, we grew up being called the N word by our fellow Asian kids that we grew up with. And they said it with like an entitlement because <laughs> to them, like, Oh, you're Chinese. So we can say it because like you're Chinese, but it didn't matter that like they weren't black and it didn't matter how much pain that caused us. So a lot of our childhood was sort of this remembrance looking back of the pain that we experienced from our own people. And I think healing from that, the way that I healed from that was expressing, you know, that I am Chinese, whether you like it or not, and being very, very, you know, at sometimes explosive with it. And I'm glad I was because now I'm like, look, they were kids. They didn't get it. And it's the system. It's a system that's broken. It's a system that pins us against each other and makes us think that our identities are different when our, our, our identities make us um, justified in otherizing each other or feeling that there's a hierarchy when there isn't. You know, it, it, it erases the humanity that we see in each other. And I, I, and I say this to talk about history as well. Like when you talked about Japanese internment, it's like, oh, so the government took your shit. <laughs> and I think about, you know, uh, the Chinese Exclusion Act. That's my Chinese side. I have family that went through that. And I think of my black side. And, you know, not just enslavement, but redlining. And today with police brutality, like the system is broken. And 
I'm always thinking like, wow, what would happen if we really understood our history as, you know, whether you're white and Asian, black and Asian, what Southeast Asian, East Asian, under the umbrella of Americanness. And, and you know, my mother's an immigrant, so I'm, I'm first, I'm a first generation on my mother's side. But, but because you can't be half, I am a first generation. And I think about history in that way, that it's actually a unifying force when it's told in the correct way, you know? And I, 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 I just love, I just really, really love conversations like this because they inspire me and they make me feel like I'm not alone. They make me realize that there is a whole community of people that are creating content that I can be a part of and not necessarily be in as an actor, but like just to watch it and experience it is being a part of it, right? And it helps me do what I do. And it helps me realize like, I don't have to pander to the system. The system is broken and it's almost like the system is a, is a broken mirror and we're trying to look beautiful in this broken mirror and we're already beautiful and we're manipulating our faces to, to satisfy this broken mirror when we're already beautiful. Done speaking. Mm. <laughs> I'm just nodding my head here. Yeah, it, it, the system is that broken system, but and the history is so important for us to learn about, even in ourselves. And and we don't that history doesn't even have to be the the dark side of things, right? You talked about the Japanese incarceration, World War Two, and Chinese Exclusion Act, but you know when Lauren was talking about you know, Filipino history and how Japanese Americans and, and Filipinos are different, we're also very similar. Um, you know, in Hawaii, 1920, Oahu, the Japanese and Filipinos both went on strike for the plantation workers. It was a, one of the longest strikes in, in American history for labor, and they won, right? They, uh, they'll they say that they, you know, the history books will say that they don't think it was a huge success, but they also, like, raised their rate wages by, like, a dollar or 60 cents more a day and got the plantation workers to, um, you know, the... the owners to pay them more and treat them better and do that. So in, in the end, it was a success, even if they had uh, people died of hunger and um, starvation because of the money. But, you know, but that also became the Japanese and Filipino problem. And that happened as well. And when everybody went to California, that was the, the farm workers, Japanese Americans, a lot of more farm workers and plantation workers, um, you know, just picking vegetables and produce. So there, I think there's a lot of similarities within our cultures as well that we can we can pull out that needs to be highlighted. And when we hear that history, um, I find a lot of strength in understanding where we have power and where we've come together and said, this is wrong. We have to work together to make this happen. And it works. So I think that's really important. Yeah, and again, like Brian said, like being a part of it, not even being a part of the project specifically, but being a part of the history and conversations like this. This is this is a great conversation that I've, I've enjoyed so far, um, you know, because there are so many different perspectives. Thank you, David. Thank you. <laughs> um, and Rachel, you had a response, and I want to ask Tony a couple of questions. Yes. Hi, it's Rachel. So quickly, I just wanted to say thank you to Jenny for what you said about there being space for our stories, because there is space. I mean, we have to fight for our own stories. We have to fight for other stories. Um, it Sometimes it feels like within the mixed Asian community, within the Asian American community, it seems like we're competing against one another. But really, like we can all lift each other up. That is possible. And 
I mean, at least that's like the mindset that I have and I would like to continue have moving forward. Um, and then regarding history, um, my grandmother grew up in Boyle Heights, which at the time was predominantly Japanese American. This was in the 20s, 30s, beginning of the 40s. And then she was sent to um, Roar, Arkansas. And uh, my grandfather grew up in Stockton, California, in Northern California, and he was also sent to Roar, Arkansas. And that is where they met and they fell in love and they ended up moving back to Northern California. Um, my grandma actually just turned 97 yesterday. And, you know, it's tough because I, she, she talks about camp, but um, kind of in a, you know, we went, we, we like, I made friends, I went to dances, I, I met my husband. Because um, that's kind of the way that she's dealt with it. And then after the war, she and my grandfather never went back to Japan. They kind of stopped speaking Japanese only when they were talking to family members who only spoke Japanese. And, you know, they didn't pass on, um, they didn't have their kids learn Japanese. And I actually went to Japanese school when I was younger and then I forgot everything and now I'm relearning because um, I still have never been to Japan to this day and I would like to go and I would like to be able to speak a little bit. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I always wonder about that um, after the war, how you know my grandparents tried to be as Americanized as possible. Yeah, it's really rough, and that history goes super deep. But on, across the cultures, that's everybody trying to be to fit in and be a part of American culture, just so that they don't feel different. Yet we will always be looked at differently, and I think that's a struggle of the American experience that we have. Um, and, and but it's still growing. I've definitely seen changes over the couple decades even in the past couple of years that conversation is growing and, and becoming something very different um and what does that mean i think it's you know even places like um you know mixed asian media and, and how they're they're really bringing the conversation to the table and yeah like like jenny was mentioning too is like there isn't just a slot for one there's multiple stories and multiple perspectives it's just like we can't just have one asian movie because it's just there's so many and it doesn't have to only be one hollywood might make you think there can only be one but we are the next generation of hollywood so we're, we're going to have so many different stories to build and everybody you know tell tell the story you want to tell i'm not my thing right now is i'm not writing about mixed asian stories that's not the thing that I, um i'm necessarily that's not my goals at this moment um my my goals are eight japanese stories but that's because i find so um that's where I find myself pulling into, but that's, you know, mixed Asian stories. I would, I would love to hear what people want to, what those stories can look like. Cause I think there have been movies and shows that have been done well and some that have not. And there's so, still so much for Hollywood to be. Um, but, uh, you know, continuing on Tony, I would love to ask you a little bit about your career and background as well. And, you know, how, how you've navigated, um, you know, you've been a professional dancer and now you're going into acting and building that uh, career for yourself. Has being mixed or being Asian been a part of your career life? And, or is that something that's, that's new that you're um, embracing a little more? Um, with 
I think what to touch on, I mean, even like the story that Alex has talked about with like commercials, or I, th I think a few people mentioned that they did commercials as actors. And for me, starting off as a dancer, you know, with with dance specifically, I mean, you're, I'm with dance on screen because I've also did dance like on stage. But in general, you know, they're looking for people to fit in the background in a way that's. Uh, that has like something exciting or that has that diversity. And so it always worked as an advantage actually for me when I was a dancer. And then when I started moving towards like, the commercial stuff, uh, maybe about five years ago, that's when I felt like being mixed race was like the in thing. Uh, and so I had, you know, I had been in the industry as a dancer prior to that for about five years and I would do commercial castings. Then all of a sudden, one year, I get like five bookings back to back within like six weeks. And I'm thinking like, what is going on? And it was all of a sudden. We, and I think that's when there was an uproar with the Oscars about being all the nominees being um, Caucasian. And I think that's when the conversation started. And even at the time, too, when I when I got my representation uh by that i mean my management you know it was part of the conversation they were saying oh yeah you're you know you're mixed race and this could be a uh, an asset and then and for me obviously I, i think i started identifying a lot more as a mixed race and owning both of my cultures actually more in more recent years but it in terms of the in the industry it was i think at first i understood being mixed race as this kind of oh it's a hot commodity or you know a very typical things that people say like oh my god i want like uh half her babies because they're so cute and i think there's this kind of this stereotype around um our appeal physically but yet not necessarily a desire to scratch beneath the surface and it's kind of so i think for a bit i was getting that um response from people like oh yeah you're, you're a pretty face but then like you know there's not more there's not more interest to to know more and i think that that was hard actually and for me like i pride myself in in the craft that i do and like working my ass off and and so then a lot of times when people say oh you know oh yeah you're you got it because you know because you're half or or this and and whatnot it's it was a bit frustrating and then now it, you know coming into it being an actor It's actually now I'm understanding the much more nuanced politics of it. You know, it kind of some of the things that I've said about casting and understanding that I think I'm still a wild card and that the industry hasn't really tapped further than just, oh, it's uh, it makes for an appeal, uh, aesthetically appe uh, appealing look, you know, because even you know, the big mixed race leads, you know, that we have, uh, I'm really bad at actor names, but in um, the guy who plays in um, Crazy Rich Asians, or, you know, we have the guy in The Warrior. Uh, actually, I haven't watched Warrior, so I can't yeah, so that's, speak for that. Hen Hen it's, it's Henry Golding and Andrew Koji. Okay, yeah. And, and when you see these, um, you know, I would say like A-list or B-list mixed race um, people, there, there still isn't a huge... Uh, pursuit or of what that story is you know of being mixed mixed race and so i think in in a lot of ways it's up to us to you know to tell these stories and to 
to do what we can to, um, you know, to shed light on what it's like being mixed race. You know, even when I was on set of uh, Sugar and Spice Holiday, which was the holiday film, um, I was, it was really nice actually to be a lead so that I could have more creative say and to have the conversation of, okay, like, what is it that I can, that I can add that showcases that extra nuance of not just being Asian American, but being mixed race Asian American. Um, and so those are definitely things that I'm trying to constantly think about. And, and you know, even with this, the show Motherland, I've had uh, a few comments from fans of saying how delightful it was for them to see someone who looked like them on screen. And, and you know, and I think there's no greater reward in terms of representation to make someone feel seen. And we've talked a lot about it today in the conversation. But, you know, I, th I think there's, uh, for anybody to see themselves in the media leads to so much a sense of belonging and I think that's got so much to do with our sense of identity within society uh, and so that's a fight you know I'm definitely wanting to keep going towards and in a, in a ways and it is a fight because I don't feel like we have a space or you know or a show or a demographic that or uh, a platform for mixed race uh demographic let alone you know mixed asian whatever that means like jenny said i think it's such a big umbrella so that's uh yeah those are some uh some thoughts on that no i think that's 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 deep man i think that's the thing is you know what do you see yourself as as a um see yourself on screen and having you know people tell you that's i think it's really thank you because you represented me i didn't see myself that's I, I'm not an actor, but I feel like that's, uh, it, it might be, a, it is a rewarding experience and it's the biggest compliment, right? Just like you played me, right? You were there. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I got a, you know, follow up question for something earlier you said, you know, your managers and reps um, want to play into it. Do you feel like um, your representation or, or maybe it's the Hollywood system because you're managers and that, um, do you feel like that's, it's tokenizing? And that they're they're using that. I mean, you can use it to your advantage. I think that's a way to do it. But because they're not playing, they're playing. It's like playing the race card, but then not letting you play the race. It's like they don't actually have, um, you know, an interest in, like you said, surface level of that. How do you feel about that part of it? And you know, what does that? What what would you want changed? Like, what would you say to your your people and say, like, hey, I want to this is this is how I'd want to be respected in this way or I don't know I'm, I'm curious so sorry just to clarify you asked me the question specifically with my management uh, not necessarily uh, your management or... but like you know I think the the topic is and this happens to some people and it, you're, you're here to represent that part is you know if 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 people are asking you to be mixed or yet you are mixed and then they're asking you you know, like it's check marking a box. It's like saying, oh, now we have the Asian, right? But mm -hmm. if they're asking you to be mixed and you're playing that role, oh, now we have someone who's mixed, now we're diverse or whatever. And But then you don't get to, I don't know, play into that role. You're only just there for the, the looks, like you said. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what would what would you want changed or how, how would you want that conversation to be had that you don't want to be um, the check marks on, check mark on the box? Oh, but hey, you know, as much as like, I don't want to be young, sometimes I accept it. And man, it's part of the game. Uh, and these are things like, you know, like I said earlier, I accept being a wild card. 
Like, you know, sometimes I just accept being, you know, the check mark for the producers. And like, and I think that's, I mean, part of being an actor and I think part of being ethnic or ethnically ambiguous. And I think that's how, I mean, that's how really I got so much, like, let's say, like commercial work even beforehand because I had the look. And now that we are in the talks of diversity, um, I'm aware that, you know, they're trying to put forward more diversity and that uh, sometimes, you know, I not now I might get considered because uh, I have a, you know, mixed heritage background over someone who doesn't, and and you know, and it's it's harsh. I think it's a really harsh industry, and that's something that I've accepted. Is I think especially being a dancer, like being a dancer is so tough, um, and so I think I came into the acting world having an understanding that okay, like this is gonna be a wild ride, and. I'm going to try and latch on to the moments of that I love uh, in terms of like the craft and the practice, but I'm aware there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of shit, a lot of politics that aren't fun to be part of. So in, in a way, I think I'm, I accept um, aspects of that. And like, and you know, sometimes that's enough to get me in the room or that's enough to get me in the conversation or in the production. And then it's up to me to how I uh, deal with that, you know, and then being part of a project, then I try to see, okay, is there ways that I can add um, part of the story that I want to tell? Or, you know, what Ryan was talking about, this purpose of having a greater impact on the world. Okay, okay, how is it then that I make that happen for myself? But in a way, um, so in a way, yeah, it's it's like this dance of, trying to figure out okay like you know uh right now it is part of the conversation and so i think let's write that and like let's let's lean into it and make some more noise from it like let's get our voices heard whether we're first seen as a pretty face and as a you know halfer exciting baby thing or uh or if i'm getting brought in to tell my story i think ultimately yeah the, the goal is to be able to tell my story and and I think ultimately that comes with also seniority. You know, I think when we when you get to a level in this industry where you are, you know, either number one in the call sheet or you are the producer or director, then, you know, you're really getting to make these choices or have these conversations to be able to influence um, our, you know, our society or influence the stories in a way that we feel are more inclusive. But until then, you know, it's also like, okay, how do we, how do we get to that spot? And I'm, I'm not gonna, as much as it sucks sometimes to be judged for appearances or just my heritage, it's part of it. And I think it's a very judgmental industry that we're in, and I don't take it personally. You know, I, I just try and see, okay, this is here. I can jump into it because of that. Um, but a lot of it is like, okay, there's a lot of rejection as well. But and then starting to touch on the change that I'd like to see, I think it's always yeah a matter of if we can continuously move towards having more um, humanness in the industry, you know whatever that means. And I think it's the way I see it is always going things about with more heart, you know, and like the idea of like you know if we're all in in a room uh, thinking, writing a story or whatnot, like trying to connect to our hearts and i think that it's it's a very broad or general 
term that I use, but I think it also, to me, it really resonates to what it means to think like, okay, am I honoring who this human is, whether the, or the, who this human is through this story that I'm saying, you know, whether it's comedy, whether it's drama, whether it's sitcom, you know, what are ways that I can always revert it back to properly representing someone. So yeah, that's mm. in a in a long ramble. <laughs> um, these those are some thoughts. No, that's good. I mean, I, thank you, Tony. That I, I appreciate rambles like that. It's just such you know people people not even rambles. It's like you know get the thoughts out. That's the whole thing. We, <laughs> because this is not a th- these questions and answers are never going to be short. They're nuanced. There's no right or wrong answer, but we're still having the conversation, you know, and it's building. That's the mm-hmm. whole thing. Even. Even just just saying it's like that's the game, right? And I think that's right. It's like you know, as much as as much as we want the humanity in in this industry and be really woke and really nice and everybody understanding. So at, at the end of the day, it's a it's a it's an industry that people make money off of, and especially for actors, have to look a certain way or they want a certain thing. Like that's that's what you can get. I might not. I might try to go out for those even before I start acting. It's like I might try to go mix roles, but I also know my. Um, power and identity that if they want diversity and Asianness, I can I can use that to my advantage, even if it that's something that we're not we're kind of taught not to take in our like even white people will go and it's like oh it's not about race like it should be everybody and like that's what you want to think, but then it comes down to it you know this bigotry racism and just uh, neglecting of cultures that when it starts to become talking about diversity that we have to um, <laughs> so many you know you can always say people you say like. Um, play the race card, but really it's like charging it to the race card. It's like, I'm going to use my identity to start making some money off of it. Mm-hmm. And so, and it, yeah. And I was so just something also to add on that, you know, I think something to remember too is that, you know, the producers and the people who are behind the, the camera, I mean, whether, you know, Caucasian or not, or Asian, you know, they're, we're in a time of change and they, they're taking risks with trying to push for change. So, you know, these projects that we are able to hop on, whether it's, you know, a small day player role or a lead part. Um, for me, I always remember that, you know, these producers and people who are behind this project, the casting directors, you know, everybody's trying to take risks. Um, and that's something, you know, really inspiring and something that I'm really proud to be part of. And even with, like the Lifetime film, you know, the producers, I think most of them, I mean, we had a lot of Asian creatives in it, but, you know, the uh, producers were Caucasian and like they were talking about how this was a huge leap for Lifetime to do something like that. And obviously, and, you know, they were worried and concerned that, you know, it might not work out because it's doing, it's them stepping out of a mold of that they're used to or a formula that they're used to working. And so for me, it's always, it's a matter of like, okay, like, as much as like I want to be properly represented, I also understand I've got to show up, do a job that people are accounting for me to do. And like, is there space, you know, for me to tell my story? That is very important to me, but also like this person is taking a chance on me. And so like, let's let's find a way to make it a win-win um, without always being a social justice warrior, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um... No, it's a really good perspective as well. Um, thank you, Tony. Uh, so I just opened up the hand raising. So if anybody would like to come up for a Q&A, we're going to have uh, Jenny ask. Uh, she has a question for the group. And then um, if you want to ask some questions, and we'll, we'll get to it. And 
uh, you know, we're at, we're at hour two, just coming up on that. So if, um, thank you so much to the panel for being here and, and doing long. I know I think we might've said two hours, but if you would like, you need to go, you need to hop off, feel free to do so. You know, you can say bye. You can also just quietly leave like in the bottom <laughs> left-hand corner says. Um, but again, thank you so much to the panelists for coming. And this has been just uh, a wonderful conversation to have. And uh, thank you for all for being here. But um, yeah, so we'll open up the hands. we get some questions, Q&A in the queue. And then, um, but first, let me know, Jenny, um, love for you to pose the question to the, to the group right now, and then we'll open it up. Yeah, so I had a question. It's something I couldn't really come up with a cohesive, articulate answer uh, myself. And the question is, um, how do you feel about monoracial, fully Asian actors playing mixed race characters and, and vice versa? So the hey, floor... Uh... Yeah, go ahead, Lauren. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Lauren speaking. So, you know, I don't blame you for not having a full-fledged answer to that, Jenny, because, to be honest, I don't know. You know, and I think it's one of those things where maybe I think it's okay if you don't know. Um, I think back to, you know, prior experiences of my work being produced for stage and screen. And so, like, take interview with an Osborne, for instance, and they made it very clear to the producer saying, you better cast Filipino Americans in these roles, because this is a story about them. And they did that. Um, and honestly, given the context of the story that I wrote, I wouldn't mind it if one or both of them wound up being mixed-race Filipino Americans. Um, I think another instance was actually from earlier this year, when a teacher at an arts, an arts high school in Canada, randomly, reached out and asked if she can use a script I had written to be produced for a class she was teaching. And I made it very clear to her, these are the characters in it are of Asian descent. Do you have students who are of Asian descent who can play these characters? And she said, yes, but I was thinking of casting some other uh, kids who are of color for these roles, and I had to make it very clear to her, no. And this is why. And I sent her like this whole long explanation saying why you need to cast um, uh, Asian actors in these roles and it worked because um, she got convinced um, and mind you this was like um, I think right around the I think this was maybe right before the shooting in Atlanta actually so it was very crucial that you know this was being told correctly because it was about anti-Asian hate um, but then I think about like some of the more I guess mainstream examples of uh, full Asians being cast as mixed Asians and vice versa. Like, I think we all remember when a couple years ago, when it was announced that Henry Golding would be playing Nick Young in Crazy Rich Asians. And the response was, what the hell? He's part white. Why is he cast in this role? Although I want to argue on his behalf in that John M. Chu, the director, was saying, I want all, all the Asians in this piece. I want all the Asians in this movie. He didn't care if you were East Asian, Southeast Asian, mixed, or whatever. He didn't care if you were from the U.S. or Australia or whoever, as it goes to show if you look at the cast. Um, and so it was so funny when I see that. And then, you know, in 2018, two days after Crazy Rich Asians came out, To All the Boys I Loved Before came out on Netflix. Lana Condor, who was a full Vietnamese American woman, was playing uh, Lara Jean, who I believe is supposed to be mixed-race Korean-American. And the, I think the same people who are complaining about Henry Golding did not say a word about her casting. So I don't know. 
it just seems kind of weird that for those who do have an opinion, they kind of go back and forth on how they feel about the situation. Like, honestly, I think that maybe if someone like Darren Chris were cast as Nick Young, I think there would have been an even bigger outrage because he's very white-passing. Um, but yeah, like, as far as, you know, whether or not it's ethically reasonable to cast one or as the other and vice versa, I don't know. But if anyone else has an opinion about that, I'd love to hear it. And I'm done speaking. Yeah, Jenny, do you want to respond? Or Alec, did you want to add on? I did. I, I just wanted to, yeah, thank you, Lauren, for um, answering that. And I think it's true. It's it's not, there's no like right or wrong or one answer. I think what I'm learning from this is that it's a really case-by-case basis and whatever is most authentic and and what serves the character and story best. Um, I think that would be my answer, I guess. And I'm done speaking. Alex, you had a response? I was just going to say that yeah, it, it's it's until there is enough work to go around for everyone, then we really shouldn't be tearing each other down. And the you know, I think we need to be uplifting each other. Yes, we should complain when things are stereotypes and and all of that stuff. But like when it comes to, oh no, this person isn't mixed or this person is full. It, it's just for one thing, you you're not in the casting room. You're not allowed to ask the person what are you even though it gets done all the damn time it's against the law um so there's also that i just think that we just that's when it comes down to we just need to keep creating stories we need to keep creating the work and putting it out there and and supporting each other in our communities because otherwise nothing will change this is alex and i'm done speaking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thank you alex Hmm. yeah does anybody else have a response before i I head up Um, I think sometimes um, Tony was talking about social justice warrior warriors. Like, I feel like sometimes we can conflate that, you know, white people are the majority in the, this industry, but we're not. This is not a fight against whiteness; it's a fight for equality. Those are two very different things. And I think Henry Golding may have fallen in the crosshairs, or a lot of mixed race, especially white and Asian actors, have fallen into that those crosshairs. When really I see it as you know, just like just like what was said um, before, like it, this is a win for all of us. The more we more we uplift uh, other mixed Asians, the more other mixed Asians can enter the scene. That win for Henry Golding is a win for me, right? Like I, then maybe I'm one step closer to being in Crazy Rich Asians, you know, as a mixed Asian. It's not a a Asian versus Blasian thing, but it's very easy to fall into that understanding of things but once again that's the system in in how it has worked so uh deeply in our minds to make us fight against each other and think that we're so justified in that fight when when really we're not fighting for what 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 we're actually fighting for which is equality um so i agree that it's a case-by-case basis and and when people are put in those positions we got to remember that the people who are creating it are making these decisions. The actors are, are, are grateful for the opportunity. So even when we point the blame, like, who are we really blaming? You know, that's also something that we really got to think about when we, uh, or, or society needs to think about when they have conversations like the conversation about Henry Golding and, and mixed race Asians playing these Asian roles. I think that's huge. Ryan, I think that's that's the whole thing is that it's kind of like who has the power in the situation, right? 
it's like when we talk about um, power in the system, it's like, well, is this, is this racist because they have the power and they're talking down to us? But, you know, I think in the other sense too, is like this whole, you know, the idea of mixed playing full roles, a lot of times, it's that i mean i was at we had a conversation you know a club room a couple of weeks back you know, a while ago and then someone hit, someone dm'd me in the back and they're like why are there only half asians on here and i was like what, what does it matter <laughs> yeah, a degree and it's like we just had the people who were on who were on the panel it wasn't because someone was half or not it was just because that's what it was um and that felt i don't know that felt discriminatory that this is this is what we are just because i'm half or we're not even talking about identity at that point we're just talking about tech and and the industry's representation as a whole and i think that was something that there was kind of you know I, I felt a little hurt by that but you know for like henry golding and andrew kojic no one said anything about andrew kojic either like he's basically playing bruce lee in this story of warrior and no one said anything about that and I think that's hard because as a mixed person, you know, if I I look, I'm generally Japanese passing. I might not look full Japanese and Japanese are like, no, you're not full. What are you? But I'm like, that's okay. But at the same time, the Hollywood is the perspective of the actor. I can play East Asian to a certain degree. So if I was um, in a role and I was going out for something, even just as a background, would I want somebody to say like, you can't play that role because you're half. I'm like, but I'm also, again, like Ryan says, I'm full Asian and full white. Why does it matter? And if I can, you know, to a degree, Hollywood is playing like magic and appearances. So if I look a certain part and I can kind of play it, you know, does it really matter to a degree? But now I'm, I'm a little mad. Whoever said earlier about the white woman who's playing the, half asian girl that irks me a little more i don't know how i would feel if it if full you know someone who's quote unquote full asian to play hat mixed if that can be a thing i don't even know is, is lana condor mixed or not? she's adopted adopted so i mean that's interesting it's itself because they, they get multicultural or identity and any differences in crisis so no that's it is a case by case and you know i think we should open up that conversation a little more um, some other time as well, because uh, cross ethnic identities and uh, cross identity um, roles to play, like how does that, what is the industry doing to change that and how that um, is going to change over time? Um, I feel like but, everyone then should take a 23 and me test when it comes to casting, if they, you know, if it becomes like so uh, specific about, Oh, you can only play like, caucasian if you're caucasian okay let's do a dna and meet or like whatever that test is you know because ultimately i think we all become you know we're all a mix of something yeah and it's like and that's like too far right we don't we don't want to be typecast only to the roles who are only mixed Mm -hmm. especially right now when we have not enough jobs but at the same time you know it's also about play because if if we only said romeo and juliet could only be played by english white people we'd never have those opportunities to play those so it's very, you know, these are nuanced conversations about it. Uh, Alex, you had something yeah. else? In the, in the I was also going to say, I feel like there's also a big difference between uh, whether you're half or not, but Asian Americans versus Asian Asians. Like you are you are from the, the motherland. Um, and I think that there is a nuance there when it comes to what roles 
uh, people are comfortable with portraying as well. I know for myself, like, I'm not necessarily comfortable playing someone that uh, has to have an accent unless uh, it's it's not, if it's like a, a, a first gen, like, you know, immigrant story. It, it's stuff like that just because, like, I'm so far removed from uh, my Japanese language, culture. Like, uh, no one in my family speaks Japanese. So that's just for me personally but i think a lot of people have to take it on by personal what they're comfortable with is too um yeah oh oh yeah i wouldn't i don't think i ever feel like comfortable playing someone who's um full asian but from an asian perspective i would never go to japan and try to play roles there because it's just that's just wrong i'd be the the haku jin coming in and be like hey you're american jin and like you're definitely not japanese you're american i'm like yeah pretty much but you know but playing roles that are asian american even just asian american like i can i feel like that would be you know that's okay with me because if we're if i'm speaking english and that's that's my role and that's kind of my background I, that makes a lot of sense but yeah there is that uh, identity difference between those the, this the cultural backgrounds but also i feel like even if i had to put on an accent i'd feel like that's one i'd probably do it wrong <laughs> but also a little kind of like appropriation appropriation of even my own identity to take on the role that doesn't feel right. I don't know. Uh, anybody else have ran uh, you know, a, a response to this question or before we get to our Q&A? I so just want to say uh, devil's advocate here. I have a best friend who I went to grad school with for acting and he's playing a Russian on the show. And uh, ain't nobody, they're not having these conversations. You know what I mean? There's a respect and a reverence that we have. And I think that there is more wiggle room than maybe we allow ourselves because we really are those things. We really are those things. And I feel like we're allowed to do those things, you know? But that's just, that's just how I feel. And, uh, but, but we, we honor the people that actually come from those environments and that's important too. But I just wanted to throw that, that devil's advocacy in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd also like uh, to add something. Yeah, go ahead. This conversation. Go ahead, Kian. Then we're gonna um, move to no, we we'll move to Luke, who he's been waiting patiently. Oh, sorry. Um, no, I just wanted to add what I think that what people perceive as the problem with the whole Henry Golding situation is actually two things. I think the first thing is is that it makes it look like it for Hollywood like being mixed is more sellable than being, you know, full Asian. That makes sense. Like, and that's what frustrates people. I mean, I'm full Filipino, but I definitely feel the insecurity as an actor to kind of look more mixed opposed to look fully Filipino. Um, So that's the first thing. And then I think a second thing that people were frustrated about is more in terms of like, from an acting standpoint, you know, you see like actors put so much work into their craft and, you know, decades of training. And then Henry Golding was a TV host that got an, a major acting job in um, Crazy Rich Asians. No, I agree, Keon. Thank you for bringing up that point. Cause um, yeah, that was, that was the struggle is that people feel like, or Hollywood sees like mixes, you know, ethnically ambiguous, you're looking more white passing, people, I don't know, it's just that it's typecasting of this source, I don't even know what they're, how much of where the word lies into that, but they do, there is that trend of 
you know, especially like especially Asian male roles, it's like you can't be full Asian. You got to be a little mixed. And I don't like that either. I don't, I don't like that they, they would cast roles like that because um, someone doesn't look or you're like you look too Asian. I'm like, what is that? What does that have to do with anything? Why doesn't that work for somebody? I, I, I totally agree. And it's just um, there's a lot, a lot of nuances to it. So thank you for bringing that up. But uh, yeah, so now that we're, we're kind of we're here, we're moving on too, let's go to our Q&A. So uh, Luke, uh, Luke Jensen, how are you doing today? Thank you for coming up to the stage. Uh, great, thank you. Thanks uh, for putting this on. Um, I feel like I've not been in a room with this many hoppas unless it's a family reunion, um, and which has led to some some epiphanies for the last you know hour hour ten. Um, for instance, I I didn't realize some of the things that were actually what feel like common to this hoppa experience. Um, I, for instance, it seems like a lot of people have touched on like a theme of doubt, whether that's current or in the past, you know, doubting your own story or your own authenticity. And I feel like a lot of that does come from, you know, lack of representation and in a way where, you know, we've talked about Hollywood wanting mixed faces, but it doesn't feel like they want mixed stories. And I feel like those are two very different things you know like for instance you know maybe this is a blind spot but my name is luke fujimoto jensen and i don't I'd, I'd never heard anybody who had a name that sounded like mine in mainstream media as a fictional character until maya ishi peters in pen 15 and that was two years ago you know that was the first time i heard a name like that and i didn't even realize that i had never heard a name like that in media until i heard one and realized whoa that was like I've not heard that before and just never seeing something that simple. I think, I don't know if that, you know, is, is part of what's casting this, this doubt, you know, and that kind of a thing. Um, but I guess I'm just, you know, wondering if, if everybody else's experience is that when they're talking to people who even want to be open-minded and are striving to be open-minded and want to be allies, they still don't tend to default think about mixed stories. They still tend to just by default think of stories in the sort of these clean columns of white or black or Asian or Latin X, um, because it, it just seems like those actual authentic stories are in, in any kind of penetrating mainstream way almost don't exist, especially for mixed Asians. Uh, it, it seems like, that whole burden um, in those in those penetrating mainstream shows is falling largely on Maya Erskine right now, which feels unfair not to just our community, but it feels unfair to her too. Um, so yeah, I guess that that, that was the, just the question of um, if people are finding that in their own experience as well, in terms of even when people want to be open-minded, they just they don't think of those kind of liminal spaces that a lot of us tend to live in mm. Mm, yeah that's a good question a good question it posed too because hmm yeah I, you don't see those roles and having the roles put on this one person i you know so heavily is 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 daunting and hopefully that they're doing it well and she's i think maya's doing an amazing job doing it um but how does how does it what yeah why does hollywood only want mixed faces but not mixed stories it's like 
they don't it's they don't understand <laughs> and i understand like you know i don't understand a lot of things but there's things to learn and um i think maybe the older generation of hollywood just just uh, generationally for the most part is that they're mono monoculture ish right it's I think well, you can only have a mixed person if you have two different cultures coming together, and that's only been increasing in the past couple of years. But historically, Hollywood's kind of in the older, you know, in their thirties, forties, not even thirties, like forties, fifties, and sixties, where it's their parents would have had have been mixed in that understanding. So, what does that? Where does that conversation lie about what stories are trying to be told? Because I, I would love to know how many mixed. Um, mixed identities and mixed folks and even mixed Asians specifically are in Hollywood executive suites who are decision makers. It's probably not a lot, especially if there's not a lot of Asians in general, it's probably less even mixed. So I'm wondering, you know, when that happens, what other stories will be greenlit? What other stories would they want to see? Cause there is a population, a huge population of mixed identities that we're going to want to see how parents and um, their children and where it works and, what stories here are going to be told, how well they're going to be told and in what, in how, what, how nuanced it's going to be. So I like that a lot. Does anybody else have a response for Luke? Uh, I would say, um, that like, that's the responsibility I think of being in this industry and being one of the few and also being a creator, a writer, actors that we have to champion Maya. We have to champion Henry we have to champion each other in order for that space to grow, right? So I, I see it more as not like, oh, damn, like she has to carry that whole, that whole thing by herself. It's just not, she doesn't have to carry it by herself. She, she has all of us and we're all working towards that same goal, you know, and she can help us get there as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, hi, this is Jenny. Um, Firstly, thank you, Luke, for for sharing and 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 for your question. Um, I think I'm I'm still pretty new to the industry, only a few years, and um, I think I'm starting to reject the idea that I'm waiting for like a, a Caucasian man in Hollywood to care about my stories, and more so building my own team and giving myself permission to tell these stories. And just seeing the creators in this chat here, it gives me hope that our next generation will care because there's more diversity um, of the people in power who make the decisions. Oh, and I'm done speaking. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, no, we'll, we're, we're going to grow. Like as as even just people on this panel, we're all growing up in our Hollywood emerging careers and we will become those decision makers one day. And that's, that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to change this industry. So thank you, Luke. And I know you're, you're a writer as well. So I hope that um, we get to have you on as well, um, you know, and continue this conversation with you. Cause that's, that's how we keep the building. And as long as we keep the conversation rolling, that's how it builds. That's how we're building community in itself and how the conversation will change. We won't have to be so, you know, have so many questions that are so difficult to answer because there's not one answer, but we will have more, more thought, fully formed thoughts. I think that's what will come down in the future. So thank you, Luke. Uh, Kenna, Kenna's here. Kenna put this whole panel together for us. I'm so thankful for 
everything she's done uh, <laughs> putting this. So, Kenna, it's so glad to have you. Hi, guys. Um, I'm so happy this finally is happening, and thank you for bearing with my annoying emails over the past week. Um, so I just want to say, first and foremost, thank you, and this conversation has been awesome to listen to. Um, but I guess my question, this is for anybody here, do you have any like advice or inspiration or like messages for the next generation of multi-ethnic and mixed creatives um, that will most definitely come after you? Um, and just like, I guess, anything that you've learned that you may think that could be important for them to hear. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Kara. Uh, I'd love to, yeah, so anybody's open for this, but I'd love to hear from uh, Naomi and Rachel. I haven't heard from you in a few minutes. I'm trying to think, like, what advice I have. Um, but I think, like, change happens just from, like, being brave. And so, you know, I think, you know, just knowing what your values are, knowing, you know, what you stand for. And I think at some point we'll all have sort of a seat at the table. And if, you know, we might not always be able to make change, but I think, you know, the least we could do is, you know, bring things up and have a conversation and it doesn't have to be, you know, a heated conversation. I think just talking about it um, is super important. And I guess my advice is to just have conversations, you know, there's not a right or wrong answer. That's it for now. <laughs> Rachel? Hi, it's Rachel. Um, yes, just going off of that, I, I think, um, you know, know your values, know your point of view, talk to people, um, have a strong work ethic, that always helps. And, and you know, just keep persisting. I, I think it's it is a really tough industry for so many reasons. And it's really important to have a group of people that you can go to to talk to like I'm so grateful that I have Naomi in my life I mean we talk all the time a lot of times about um being mixed race just because you know growing up I there was one other mixed Asian kid at my school and um so I think I'm really now starting to um learn more about myself and um, you know, but things take time. I mean, my mom was a Japanese American actress in the eighties and I look at what she went through and, you know, it's not perfect where we are today. It never will be maybe, but we can keep, um, heading in the right direction. And, um, you know, I look to my mom a lot for inspiration because I see what she went through and, and what she did. And that, that also helps me to keep going. I'm done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. It's just, you know, we're not going to, this conversation doesn't end, the the struggle doesn't end, but the thing that will always persist is uh, the dedication to, to and the ambition. And you stay, you know, stay with your craft, keep, keep building. And that's a, it's all, we're all doing that. And I think that's the best way to keep, keep, to keep moving forward, you know, building that table. Uh, I think my advice is, you know, explore that mixed identity what does it mean to you what um what does it mean what does it mean to the so, uh, society as a whole too you know from an outside perspective but also understanding what's the inside perspective what you know because people who aren't mixed aren't going to be able to have the conversation so clearly i mean at, if at all 
but so what's their perspective of mixed identities and families but then as an inside perspective like what does it mean to you what does it mean for your family um how have you uh recognized your your identity what does it mean about your family who recognizes it or doesn't recognize it um your parents different cultures and uh where, what foods have been changed um over time and what's the history even if i look at um my even if i look at my my even my uh, appetite for food for like many years we didn't have a lot of asian food um i know we never had japanese curry apparently my dad said he made it once and my mom said it smelled so he never made it again um and i remember i actually remember this, this morning that i was making um dumplings or uh you know pot stickers once and my mom came home from work and she's like that's it smells like a fart and i was and this is going back to like the old childhood you know cafeteria thing where people are like eating food smells i'm like that's coming from my own mom so what does that what does that mean right and that's only going to come from an inside perspective so explore that explore um it that's that that's the story you want to tell how does how does that play into your stories and what do you feel about that that's the best way to express yourself so i don't know that's my thoughts and advice anybody else have uh, any ideas and um advice uh, hi this is jenny firstly thank you kenna for organizing this and for all your hard work and creating this platform for us um a piece of advice I always kind of tell myself is to work on projects that really speak to my heart. I think uh, you get to a point in your career where you can start to pick and choose um, projects. So for me, I always try to do projects that speak to me, feel authentic, and to make things that I really want to see growing up. Um, I also think a good piece of advice is as you get higher up in the food chain is to always leave the door open behind you. Here, I gotta wipe you because I gotta, I gotta talk to these people. <laughs> and uh, just that I think we've all probably got to where we are today because people took a chance on us. So I think it's always good to do the same to other people that are up and coming and just to give people a shot and to be kind. So that's, I'm done talking. Alex, did you want to respond? Or... Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I think my advice would be just to know that you're enough. There's no right or wrong way for you to identify as a mixed person. You can change your mind daily, monthly, yearly, weekly. It doesn't matter. Any time of the day, you get to be, you get to choose to be you and embrace you. And I would also offer the advice of go to therapy. It's amazing. Um, surround yourself with people that are true to the word, that get stuff done. And when they say they will get it done. And um, if you don't see it, create it. Because I bet there's a need for it out there. And I really hope that the future generations of mixed people will be more well-adjusted. And, like, maybe there won't be the need for mixed Asian media anymore. And I think that would be kind of beautiful. So I'm done talking. Yeah, I hope that there might not be a need, but I will always want mixed Asian media <laughs> to be around. So I think that's the, the conversation to, uh, that we'll always have. And, the, you know, the next five generations from now, we'll also want to have this conversation and, and find community, even if it's not in the, the form that it is, that it, the conversation doesn't need to be had of what does it mean, but at the same time to find people who 
gravitate towards other people and the interviews that you do that ask the questions about being mixed um, and what does that identity mean? We'll always, we'll always be curious about people who need to learn and who want to learn about um, other people as well. It's a call, like a, it's a beacon. Thank right. you. Well, hopefully maybe it'll get to the point where it's, it's more of a celebration of us yeah. being mixed people. Cause I really do believe that it's a superpower to be mixed and to have these beautiful cultures and creeds inside of us all. So hopefully at some point it'll just be, we're just going to celebrate how cool we are. And, and honestly, that's what the festival is about. So thank you for creating the space tonight. And thank you Kenna for, for having us all. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And Ryan, did you have uh, uh, any advice before we move on to Yvette? I mean, they all said it. My beautiful mixed people have said everything. But I, I would also say that you, just be yourself, man. Like, I think a lot of mixed people, when we grow up, we think that we have to choose a side or we have to be something. And really, we can literally just do whatever we want. And we can like whatever we want. We can do whatever hobbies we want. We can play whatever sports. I used to think that because I was black and looked black that I had to like rap music and stop skateboarding. And I wonder what it would have been like if, you know, there were black skateboarders and mixed skateboarders around so that I could just be like, no, nah, I, I think I'm just going to skateboard, actually. You know, so I, I champion just doing whatever you want to do as a mixed person. Yes. Mm-hmm. You just don't you just be... Be who you want to be. And then sometimes race doesn't even have to play that factor. That's the other thing, too. Uh, Tony or Lauren? Lauren? Uh, Tony, you can go first. No, you have your mic Sorry. on. Oh. That might be uh, back. Oh, yeah, you go for it, Lauren. All right. Um, my word of advice, I guess borrowing from Nike, is just do it. Um, I think that not exclusive to the mixed race community, obviously, but like, in general, you'll hear people say, oh, I want to do this, but this thing or this thing is holding me back. I've seen it happen so many times to so many people throughout my life. And I've just always wanted the lesson I would learn from them is to do the opposite of that. Just if there's something that you want to do it, just go for it. I mean, like we're millennials. We have the resources to make something happen. If a, if a giant studio is going to turn us away, we could just do it ourselves. So like. There's no excuse not to go after what you want to do. Just do it. And I'm done speaking. Mm-hmm. Tony? Um, I, yeah. Tony, oh, oh, I just oh. want to say, I have to leave, so I'm sorry if I'm interrupting. I just want to, I just really want to say bye and thank you, Kenna, and thank you, David, and thank everyone that's here. I'm definitely inspired and going to create, to create even more stuff. And I love you guys. I want to stay in contact, um, but I have to go now. Right. Thank you so much. Thank and, you so much, Ryan. Ryan um, yeah, I know I'm up next. Before he jumps off, Ryan, and um, one of the things I wanted to say was just really acknowledge some people. And I really wanted to acknowledge just some of the the vulnerability and openness that you brought. I mean, I've even just read your Instagram page and just the when you talked about being made fun of. Um, there has just been like a level of maturity and insight and um, vulnerability to what you brought to the stage today. And before you hop off, I really wanted to say I appreciated that. I appreciate that so much. Thank you so much. Yes, Thank very you. much. Yeah, Ryan, you brought a lot here, and uh, I appreciate you always in this conversation. So thank yes. you. Yes, and, and without further ado, Tony. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Later, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, spread the love. Uh, I'm in my car, so I, uh, I 
I might have a bit of background noise, but uh, yeah, you know, I would say one of the, be kind to yourself. Is, is, at least, uh, you know, speaking from my own experience, uh, wanting, yeah, just being more kind to myself. And I think I, I want to extend what David, what you talked about, about exploring yourself and exploring what it means to be to be you um i think being mixed race has so many complicated nuances that aren't directly available uh really anywhere but within your own research you know i think our parents can't tell us exactly who we are because they're most likely from different backgrounds and for me those were huge questions that i that i'm finally you know now starting to really dig under and like of what it means to to be me and like and as much as then you know through that to then being able to what even what ryan was saying about like yeah just be who you are but that that is such a hard statement you know and that's why i say be kind to yourself because man you know if i i think i've chased that idea of like trying to just be who i am but so much of it is like but who is that you know and i'm like uh i don't even know you know like there's this like empty void in me and i'm like what what what, what is uh what is tony like what does it mean to be chinese what does it mean to be french what does it mean to be canadian you know all those questions that i think um if if we're patient and uh brave with ourselves then i think it allows um for great exploration and, and then to being able to bring that story forth to uh share with others um and keep the, the circle of love going <laughs> done speaking yeah very much it is that um that exploration and inner inner thought i think even what alex said too is like finding therapists I, I definitely need to find mine i'll be honest i haven't found one yet that i i enjoy but yeah that's it, it'll help um you know bring it out and understand what it what it means to be to be you that's the whole thing right um yvette is it yvette Yvette, please. Yvette, nice to meet you. Thank you so much for being here and uh, waiting so patiently. I know you um, DM me and stuff. So, yeah, would you like to add to the conversation um, or ask any questions? The stage is yours. Yeah, thank you. I really wanted to come up here and say, one, that this has been a really fantastic room. Um, just I've learned um, quite a bit just from so many different people. And I love, you know, how people brought in history um, just for some, some context, I'm in a lot of rooms where we talk about, you know, race centered on, um, different groups and, um, it's always such an opportunity to learn, a, um, from, about a different group and the mix of history and family and your feelings and your emotion is so rich. And so I just really, really appreciated listening to everyone. And, um, Tony, very, a lot earlier on, you talked about, you know, the industry is the way it is and you know the the idea of you know accepting that what reality is while still going for your dream and i just thought that was so um beautiful i mean i the, i don't um just just to be able to hold that that to be able to hold those two contrasting thoughts because that's often one of the challenges when we are um people who are looking for you know, equality is, it can be overburdening, it can be difficult, and and just being able to hold that space for yourself, and also just hold space that sometimes humanity is not going to go at the pace that you would really like, so um, just really appreciative of everything that's been said, and the vulnerability that people have had, and the wisdom 
um, that will be shown on the stage. I just really wanted to applaud everyone. And I'm done. Uh, thank you so much for, for being here and, and listening. I think you've been here for almost the whole conversation. So I really appreciate that you're, um, you know, curious and uh, open to, you know, new conversations. That's And yeah, and you said in the back channels, you know, there's a lot of parallels between different communities. And um, that's, that's the, that's what I want to hear more too, is like all these parallels. We don't want to hear, I want to hear the differences as well. And each, each community needs their own uh, space to express those, but to find, parallels and similarities and um you know i think that brings us closer in understanding each other and, and, and feeling it in a certain way even if it's not the exact same way it's this feeling that um you know i understand what you're going through i think that's that's what we want to hear and feel yeah and and i'll just add it um i think that is so true i mean so i was born in nigeria grew up in the u.s and so i'm one one race right but like my parents are both from one country that i'm from but I have a multicultural experience because, I mean, they would tell me, like, you might be in America outside the house, but when you're in the house, you're not. You're in Nigeria, right? Like, and then the, the discussions that people have within the Black community, uh, immigrants versus, you know, African Americans, and, um, you know, even I, I took Asian American history, um, I was blessed to, in, in, in college, um, and learned more about what the journey was like, you know, like pre-1950 immigration, um, post-1950 um, I, I purposely also, we didn't have an ethnic studies major, but I kind of created one and then I, I do DEI work. Um, but I really do think there's so much that has been said on the stage where if you, you know, not to, not to lessen in any way, anything, but if you, to your point, David, if you take away, um, whether it was Chinese or Filipino and you insert, whether it was Hispanic or, um, you know, my, my mom's, um, I'm not, this isn't my mom, but someone's talking about being like a friend of mine. She's, um, people always tell her she's black. Well, she's Lebanese and Venezuelan. And the frustration that she feels that people tell her on a regular basis that she's one identity that she isn't. And she's not really connected with her Lebanese background, but she's more connected with the Venezuelan background. And, you know, there's so much that we all feel and you can't see. And, and so there are a lot of parallels and, um, you know, I definitely agree that there are spaces where we need to understand ourselves. But also, I, I think that if we could listen to other people's situations, we would start to see the parallels and see that, you know, it is not a fight against each other for a spot or a slot or a fight against white. It is a fight against um a hierarchy that is ranking us. It is a fight against, you know, a structure um, and looking to change it. And that's something that we can do together and notice that we actually want the same things. And sometimes we don't always see that right away. And I will permanently land my mic there. Thank you so much. Oh, that was, that was beautiful. I think that's, yeah, there is just so much that we can learn from each other and and feel and understand we're 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 stronger united and this the system is has separated us has erased us you know in every every community just in different ways and now that we're we're having more nuanced conversations outbreaks and not outbreaks is a bad word for it but um you know breaking new breaking ground of new roles something like uh, reservation dogs and stuff like people are having new stories and when we start to learn and appreciate and talk about it and um 
see see from different cultures that's where we start to be more united in self and, and find those similarities so yeah thank you so much Yvette. anybody have a response anyone asking a question as well all right then well thank you so much Yvette. i appreciate you being here and uh bringing your perspective it was really great uh mario dude so good to have you back how are you doing today doing good man I, I can't complain i'm on a plane it's it's good to be here and thank you for the space and it's good to hear all these stories and i hope everyone's doing good yeah yeah man we're doing this fine so, yeah do you have uh, something you want to bring to the table or ask a question you're all here man so stay just absolutely i wish i wish ryan was still here because I, I know he'd be able to add to some of this but I'm, I'm gonna try to figure out how to centralize my thoughts i, I brought up some points um so in in the book Afro-Orientalism, written by Bill Mullen, he said, there's a quote by W.E. Du Bois that says, Asia is the fraternal twin to Africa and the struggle against white colonialism. And um, as I've been like digesting that and digesting that in, in media and studying like studying more in, on Asian American films and Asian films with, within relation to, to black culture as well, like I've only seen like for examples like Faking the Funk, Cutthroat City, Boogie, and Gook, which range from an antagonistic relationship between African-Americans and Asians or cultural appropriation to cultural appreciation. And I'm glad to hear on the Henry, and side note, I'm glad to hear on the Henry Golden situation because I remember years ago the whole uh, blowback from the situation where Emma Stone was casted as a half-Japanese person for that, that Hawaiian movie. I couldn't, I can't remember. But, Aloha. um... Are, are, are there more stories, specifically in film, of mixed-race Asians, specifically in the struggles within that, within that? And how can we utilize those stories into bridging the gaps between Afro-Asian solidarity and, e and even white and Asian solidarity? And specifically within also the, the, the Asians, who essentially are the middle ground between a side of the, co a side of the coin of anti-colonialism and our maybe unwitting parties of the beneficiaries of colonialism. How are you guys paving the way for your stories to be told, told of your mixed race struggles and mixed race identities, taking into account and consideration Americanization. And uh, thank you. And I'm, I'm done speaking. Mm. Dude, you always bring the really deep questions here. <laughs> I love it. Uh, does anybody have a response for Mario? Cool. I'll take one if everyone wants to keep thinking on it. Um, I can't think of too many uh, mixed Asian stories. That's kind of the problem to like, can't point out too many. I've seen a lot of like mixed Asian relationships where one, one, someone's Asian, someone's not Asian. Um, you know, so that's a conversation itself, but I, you know, I don't, I only see, it's like when I see a role, even something like Paxton from Never Have I Ever, he's mixed Again, I don't see his parents. I don't think he is. As we see his father, but I don't see his mother. And you see his grandfather, both who are Japanese American. But it's like they used it to that um, that advantage because he's Japanese American. And Alex, is, it seems like Alex has to go. So Alex, it was so good to have you. Thank you for coming to this conversation. Thank you so Have much for having me. It was a pleasure being here with you all and meeting you all. Have a lovely evening. Yeah, definitely give Alex a follow and follow uh, Mixed Asian Mixed Asian Media Fest. Uh, Man Fest is coming up in September, so grab your tickets. <laughs> um, Bye.
Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, but I think again, he, I feel like it was um, pl- not playing under the fact, but it was just brought it out too much. It wasn't, it was like, he's more like he's Japanese than he is mixed, even though he says he's mixed, but like, there was no, there wasn't a conversation of being mixed. Even same thing with um, Pen15. It's like, there's the, the father's gone. Right. He, and you only see the mother, as far as I remember, he comes back for an episode or two. Um, and so that's great, but I don't think there was a conversation. So it's just like representation, but nothing that it pushes the culture because of the representation rather than pushing the culture because they're mixed and talking about being mixed, which is like a good thing and a bad thing. Cause you don't necessarily need the story to be about being mixed. It could just be, without having it to be a part of the story. But at the same time, I would love to see someone who really takes that into effect, uh, that brings out um, both sides and has more family drama around it. We have family drama in our own our own family just because of lost identity and you know all those things. So I would love to see more of that um, along with uh, uh, Asian and, and Black and Asian uh, solidarity and 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 relationships that aren't that isn't the joke but end of the joke uh, i always think of um, i think it was norbert <laughs> someone's someone's asian and black and like but it was like a joke about it and that was the end or you know you can have rush hour but again they're not mixed neither of these conversations are mixed they're just um too separate i think you know there needs to be more does anybody else have a have any either responses or ideas because i think this is a that's a that's an ongoing conversation for sure. I'm sorry, I know I asked a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, Mario, can you, if you don't mind, can you repeat the question, please? Okay, I, for sure. I'll I'll, bet, I'll I'll cut to the bullet points. Um, are there more specific? Are there more stories of mixed race Asians in film specifically that touch on the topic? And how are and how and if not, how are you paving the way to tell your mixed race stories and the struggle of that in turn with taking in consideration Americanization? Hmm. I think the Americanization of being mixed race, I think probably plays a big role into how we identify. Um, like you'll hear some people say, "I'm half this, I'm quarter this." And it wasn't until a couple of years ago where I just stopped using those labels altogether because it just feels like I'm adhering to, you know, monoracial people just to make it easier on them when I'm like, no, I'm not a pie chart. I'm not going to make it easy on you. Um, and I know that's not a movie. That's just life. Um, but as far as a movie goes, hmm. See, if I'm having to think about it, it probably means that I there isn't one in existence as of right now. And I'm hoping that as I continue to do more writing, both in terms of presenting more Philippine American content as well as mixed race content, I can hope I can, you know, kind of quietly break down the, I guess, colonizer's lens on being mixed race, especially from, you know, from my lens being Philippine American. For those who don't know, the Philippines was colonized many times. So I think, you know, part of that is just breaking down into getting to the essence of, you know, what that part of my heritage is all about. And I don't know if that answers your question, but I'm going to leave it there for now. 
No, that that was a great answer. I mean, I I can't think of I can't think of one. I can't. I mean, I can see there's a bit of like some shows, but I can't think of one in regards to a movie or movies. And and I'm I'm a film historian, so I mean, I've I've studied film as well as the 1920s and for, and earlier than that. So it just it just boggles my mind in that aspect. And I remember when I, I was having um I was having a coffee with with David. And we were, and he was telling me of that story about the uh, the black lawyers that were helping the uh, the Japanese the Japanese internment camps, and I'm just like, and I I had never heard of that that before, and I'm just like, why aren't these stories being told? And because these these are the stories that people need to need to understand, so we understand the unity between our cultures, especially in the climate that we're in, where it's been so. Um, antagonistic or combative like i was watching la 92 a couple days ago and just seeing the the video of like the koreans with the with the with the guns and the ak-47s perfecting their store crying about america and their american dream being compromised just trying while trying to protect their stores from i mean aka the the rioting the rioting blacks it was just it was a lot to bear on my soul so that's why i was i felt compelled to ask this question and ask them more especially and center it around mixed Asians because that is a core of our um, demographic in this conversation yeah dude thank you I think that's the that's the conversation we need to keep having is you know where, what stories are going to be told and what keeps getting passed because sometimes I see stories get not necessarily greenlit but they'll go to deadline Hollywood or something and then I won't hear it for years <laughs> like they just put it up for conversations I think someone there was supposed to be like an HBO show centered on um, women power, like women activists. And one of the episodes was supposed to be um, Yuri Kochiyama, which, you know, the story with her and, and Malcolm X. And I would have loved to see that, but I swear that was like two years ago or three years ago that someone had mentioned that in deadline. I haven't seen anything since. <laughs> so what is that? What's that going to be? You know, Rachel. Yes. I just actually thought of a film from 1957, I think. Not a mixed Asian person, but a mixed race couple. Um, it's called Sayonara with Marlon Brando. And, you know, it's from 1957, so it's very problematic. But it is um, a love story about uh, between a Japanese woman and uh, an American soldier. And Miyoshi Umeki, I think that's her name, um, won an Oscar which is crazy. I mean, I just learned about this recently that a Japanese woman like won an Oscar in 1958. Um, but that's, that's a, an interesting film to watch. Um, and then uh, another show that I thought of that looks at the mixed race experience is uh, Mixed Dish. And, um, and she is half black, half white. Um, and, and, you know, it's network TV, so it's very on the nose, but it like thoroughly explores, um, her being a mixed race kid growing up. And I, I, I watched the first season and I enjoyed it and I'm done. Yeah. Miyumi Okemi, if I believe that's the right name, but she got it for an Oscar for uh, supporting act actress on, on that role. And I think that's, you know, it's that, that film history that we don't know about. That's the stuff I keep wanting to push out. We're supposed to have graphics on our Instagram, but we've kind of fallen behind because um, that history is there. And I would, I would, I'm going to even push our, our our graphics team and our research team to find more uh, mixed mixed people and see what what roles there were are, are that have been lost to history. I think that's more to talk about. 
So yeah, thank you, Mario, for that question. That's that gets us into a, a lot of different conversations that makes us even think more like what what other movies and stuff are out there that we can we can pull pull up. It's really good. So thank you. For sure. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Man. Um, we're going to get to Tiffany and David. I just want to say, you know, again, thank you all so much for the panelists. I know we're almost at, almost at three hours of the conversation. I haven't been on Clubhouse for a three-hour room in forever. So I actually really enjoy being back on Clubhouse for deep uh, conversations like this that aren't, um, that are, there is no one answer. No one's trying to be the smartest person in the room. No one's trying to sell anything and do stuff. We're just having a real, um, real conversation about topics that really matter. So I, Thank you, everybody, for being here. Everybody who's staying in the room and listening as uh, audience members, it's, you know, a lot of you stayed for many hours. And so this is this is really great to have everybody. And, you know, thank you. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Tiffany, welcome to the stage. Uh, I see you're near the clubhouse, so welcome. Thanks, David. Um, and thank you, everyone, for having this event uh, panel on Clubhouse. I've been on it once before and actually had a chance to speak a little bit more about uh, my own ex mixed experience. My mom is from Korea. My dad's from North Carolina. Um, and I was just curious, like I, I'm not an actor or a writer, but I am a film editor. Um, so I'm kind of interested to hear from the writers of the group. And I mean, any storyteller, to be frank, because I mean, we all are, are doing that. What part of the mixed experience would you want to explore? Would it be like a psychological drama or a thriller? Would it be a family drama? Would it be a comedy of errors? Would it be a spy thriller? Like if you were to imagine having a protagonist who was mixed, what would that be like in a story? Wow, that's a... Wow, that's a... Oh, also, when you stop talking, you turn on your mic. Yeah, thank you. Um, wow, that's a really great question <laughs> to bring to the panel. So, yeah, open to the panelists, uh, Jenny, Naomi, Lauren, and Rachel. Any, any, what do you want to see? That's a great question. Irene, I think that there are so many sort of like mixed characters that I want to see on the screen. I think, um, you know, I think sort of like, what it would look like to be a thriller like a mixed kind of story in a thriller would be interesting and i i can't even at this moment like think what that would be um but i'm fascinated by thrillers so i'd love to see one um but i think the one you know that rachel and i are working on is really just like about life and i think that's also just super interesting is like there's just so many nuances that like half people experience in life and so for me I'm always, you know, personally interested in these like character driven, you know, TV shows and films. And for me, like that is super interesting on its own. Cause like, there's just so much to explore. Um, you know, there's like family, there's friends, there's work. And like there's those experiences, like for me as like a half person just like never end. Like, I think that that makes for an interesting show. Um, even if it's not like super high concept, it's, it's just life and that's I think for me like why I watch TV in a way is like to see myself reflected or um yeah I mean so for me like uh life and kind of talking about these topics in a comedic way I really enjoy uh, that's it yeah I would say I'd like to see 
all of those stories. I mean, there are so many different ways to explore being mixed, whether it's, you know, how Naomi and I are doing it through um, kind of more dramedy. Um, it's the tone is more like insecure, just like real life. Um, but a thriller would be really interesting, too. And whether that's exploring being mixed in the storyline or a thriller where the lead happens to be um, mixed Asian, that would be cool, too. I, I think, yeah, there are so many different ways to um, see those storylines play out. And I hope that they're all told. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, thank you, Naomi and Rachel. Those are, you know, we're not subjected to one genre or another. I think that's really important. Um, you know, and I have to like change my screen time thing. I think my phone's gonna lock me out if I if I don't do this. So I have to do this real quickly. Um, no, I should be good. Um, yeah, and then answer my question. Like, I think I'm a family drama writer. I mean, mostly historical, but my I think my niche is, is like family drama. I'm not a comedian, no way. Um, but that's that's something I want to play with because I know I have um, family issues. And like you, my my aunts are Asian, and they're full Japanese American, and I've had those conversations. You're not full Asian. I'm like, you don't you don't know. I'm like what you don't have to tell me that that's really mean <laughs> and just because you're insecure doesn't mean you have to break it down your own nephew to say you're not asian enough and i know that's that's the stuff i want to see <laughs> like because that's what we have to deal with sometimes um that's not always, that's never fun and those conversations we do have the other thing i would love to see is like a thriller or like a, a mystery of something and the kind of the kind of comedy behind it is that you know maybe someone's white passing or, or Asian passing and then they don't, but they don't know their parents but then they're looking for them. Like, no, nah, you can't be this white woman. <laughs> it's like, that's not, that doesn't sound right. And like, wait, what happened? Maybe, maybe there is some history or, you know, they're figuring out that they're like, it's not the joke. It's like the mystery is that they're, they're mixed, but they, they overlook it because they don't think that they can, that someone's mixed or, you know, I think that would be interesting to see what that, um, you know, how, how does that play into the storyline of itself it, that doesn't that doesn't hit itself on over the head, but it kind of like hits hits the part that if we didn't know, we wouldn't know. And that brings out the storyline of, you know, how those parents meet. Was it that the, you know, if uh, the Philippines and there's the uh, the army base that someone meets somebody and how does that play out? There's so many different ways that uh people get mixed into relationships for whether it be in for love or, or in just in situations or war and then they either stay together or they're divorced for different reasons there's so many different ways so i think that's that's this kind of the stories i would want to hear and the history behind um different ways people have these mixes there's no there is no one way and there's there are multiple ways of how people met so and me i think that's just there's just a lot to a lot of movies that could play into those things and not be so expletive about it, but also really important to the story. I don't know. Lauren or Jenny, any, any responses? Well, some of the ideas I am thinking of already exist and we're showing them at Manfest next month. I don't think I'm allowed to say what they are, but all I can say is check out Manfest. <laughs> um, 
But for me, as a writer, like, I love speculative fiction. I think that's my niche as a writer. Um, the most recent novel I wrote, which came out almost five years ago now, is centered on a mixed-race Japanese-American woman who has a, a cognitive ability that lets her see memories of inanimate objects. Um, and then rec over the summer, I wrote a pilot for a writing program I applied to about a mixed Filipino-American girl who turns out she has the ability to turn into a, a werewolf on through her Portuguese father's side of the family. Um, yeah, I just re really like to see all kinds of stories starring mixed race Asians, like just all kinds, whether it be in the speculative world or in just like everyday coming of age contemporary dramas or comedies or however you want to put it. I just want to see them everywhere, all over the place. And I am done speaking. I can't wait for Manifest. We know there's going to be so many movies and short films that I've never seen. Excuse me, I have something in my mouth. Um, and just this, see myself, see myself like represented in some way. I think that's going to be really cool. So if you're interested in mixed race stories, like mixed Asian stories, definitely go check out Manifest. Um, September 13th to 26th? No, 13th to 19th? September 15th to the 19th. Yeah, definitely go check them out. I'm sure Lauren's got a, a link somewhere on her bio somewhere in, in places. Um, Jenny, do you have any response? Yeah, um, it's a hard one because I, I write in a lot of different genres. I think the only thing I've written that is specifically to do with mixed race was actually a short documentary um, visual essay, which was more um, of a reflective piece. Um, I usually do write in dramedy. I am writing a psychological horror right now, um, which is based on uh, my experience with having narcolepsy. But I've never thought of putting mixed race um, into an, another genre of dramedy. And I, I, I think that would be super interesting. I did just act in a short film as, uh, through the Vancouver Asian Film Festival called Switch City, which tackles mixed race identity through a kind of uh, futuristic um, sci-fi mystery. Um, and they don't ever call people by their race. They're different rival gangs and the lead is struggling uh, with being part of two different gangs and he has to pick which gang he identifies with more. So it's more of an analogy to mixed race. Um, but I'd love to see any genre with a mixed race uh, character in and I'm done speaking. Every genre should happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> to every degree. So they're just, we're everywhere, you know, where I think that's, we're just not views, visible in the, in the media. So it feels like there's only so few, but really where there's a lot of people. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for that question. Is that, is that a good, you know, satisfactory, I guess? <laughs> no, definitely. It was, I was just putting that out there just as like a, imagine if or I don't know what if question but um thank you all for answering and I, I think I will check out Manfest for sure and yeah definitely stay in touch as well we'd love to hear uh more from editors we you know we want a strong Asian lead diversity in the Asian culture but also diversity within the um the film industry as well a lot of behind the scenes and people who don't get to talk about I don't I, I uh, started out as an editor and um post-production in the world and you know, that, doesn't, that conversation doesn't get talked about enough. I think there's a lot of talk about writers and directors and actors and producers and execs. But really, there's a lot of, you know, editors who, that's, they create the story, right? They, um, they, they put things together and make images 
matter. So please stay in touch um, when we can please join that conversation when we have it. And um, Lauren, it sounds like you got to go. So thank you so much for, for being here, participating and being a part of the conversation. It's been wonderful to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too, David, and also to everyone else on the panel. Uh, it was great to be here, and I hope we could do this again soon. Uh, everyone have a good night. Good night. Yeah, for sure. Um, and last but definitely not least, David on. How are you? And, how, you know, what's been going on, man? Thanks for being here. I'm good. I'm fine. Uh, everything has been great. Uh, so you talked a little bit about, like, not wanting to lose history. So I want to give a little bit of history, and then I'll give something more present date. In 1955, there was a movie called Love is a Many Splendid Splendid Thing. It was a, a story about a, an, a white American, uh, you know, war veteran who falls in love with a woman in Asia, right? Uh, and uh, they end up living happily ever after in San Francisco. Well, in, in 1967, that show, uh, that, that movie was adapted and debuted uh, in that, during that time period. It was adapted for a daytime soap opera called Love is a Many Splendid Thing. The actress, uh, who was uh, uh, multiracial, her name is Nancy Shui. She is, has a Chinese parent, and on one side and the other side was Native American and Scottish uh, parentage, debuted as the first Asian American uh, actress to ever be a lead in a television series and the first Asian American actress to ever be a lead in a daytime soap opera was debuted as the lead of that show. For six months, she was on every day for 15 minutes, and she was eventually written out of the show because uh, Erna Phillips, who really pushed for her and pushed for her to be in an interracial romance, was not allowed by the network uh, to you know, engage in such things, so they ended up writing her out, and the show maybe lasted another year and a half before the show was, or a couple of years before the show was canceled. But she literally, she's a little-known fact of history, was like the first... Uh, uh, you know, uh, multiracial and first Asian American you know, woman to be a lead, uh, you know, in a television series at all. A year, a year later, in 1968, uh, light-skinned African American uh, Ellen Holly would become a more successful lead uh, in a daytime soap opera, One Life to Live. But that's different. Uh, modern day, uh, modern day, uh, a show I may have mentioned in a room before. Queen Sugar has Donlin Garner who is half Chinese, which has a Chinese mother and, a, and an African-American father, has been starring for more than five seasons on the own drama series Queen Sugar, uh, playing a mixed-race woman, although, uh, her mix, although the mixed-race character she plays, she has a white mother and a black father on the show, but she is, in real life, uh, Chinese uh, and African-American, and she is one of the leads, uh, lead, one of the three leads on the show, a member of a borderline family, so she's been quite successful in that regard. But in terms of uh, uh, the sort of, there was a narrative that kind of started coming out in the uh, late 80s, early 90s in the daytime soap world, where some of the shows decided they would in add Asian Americans to the show. And the way they did it was to play the sort of story of the white man who left a baby in the Korean War, right? right? And the, the child shows up at the door. These were the kind of stories that they pushed. The characters usually maybe lasted one or two years on the show before they were written out and usually never to be mentioned again, largely because the white male actors who were, who, who were playing the fathers of, the, of, of these children did not like the story. Right? They didn't like it, so they would just not mention them again. 
but that has been at least in some form of television where they did try to try to do the sort of uh, mixed race thing. The actors obviously were were not mixed race; they were full full Asian, uh, and obviously not of the background that they were supposed to be portraying. But that was about as as close as you as you could see there. And they would obviously explore the whole sort of why didn't you you know why did you abandon me you know that sort of thing. And once they got beyond the whole sort of story of feeling like an abandoned child by the, the white side of their family, they didn't really have much use. That was as much as the drama and those characters were generally speaking uh, uh, written out. But uh, yeah, I'd like to know your thoughts on that. That's wild. I didn't know any of that. So thank you for bringing that part of the cinema and daytime history. I, I definitely need to look more in like soap operas and stuff because yeah, there's a lot of that um, that we don't look at as well. So Thank you. Yeah. Does anybody else have, have any opinions? Jenny. Hi. Uh, well, thank you, David, for uh, bringing that all to our attention and, and telling us about that. I think for me, when I'm looking for media and TV and film that features mixed race people, I also like to look of who's creating it and who's writing that content um, just to know that it's not um, People who don't who aren't from that background trying to necessarily capitalize off of what they think could be successful or not. Um, I also think it's interesting in those situations that the mixed race people were always very othered, coming from outside of America or from another place, which is uh, interesting. Um, as someone who um, who has like a, a a mom who's who is Chinese Canadian and. Her Chinese family came to Canada uh, in the early 1900s. So I think it's interesting to see that those mixed race people weren't part of the already American society. Um, but it's fascinating that that was happening way back then. So I'd love to go back and watch those and, and see, um, see what it's about. So thank you for uh, bringing that to our attention. And I'm done speaking. Yeah, I think that's the thing, too, is that we don't know how many storylines have been passed uh, passed over or actually passed through uh, in our history. If that was the 50s, that's that's great. And then remade again in the 80s, right? So, yeah, these are the stories we need to keep sharing and keep exploring and see what people have done before. I've, I've often looked back at the past of... Um, like in my research of like Asian Asian American history, but also just Asian history and Asian cinema history. Like what have people done not only here in America or in Canada, but also abroad? Um, I've seen I've seen shows abroad about Asian Americans, and it's very different. It's very it's like it's not right. It's just it's I feel like that's just it's like early like America going uh, to tell a Filipino story without any Filipinos in it. It's it's just different. Uh, but really wrong. Um, but yeah, that's to see. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is to who's creating the stories, right? Who tells them? And especially in today's world, when we're, we're, we're having this conversation over and over and over again, like who, like representation on screen is one thing, but it's really the representation in the writer's room and the producers, not even the director. Sometimes they have the director and the representation, like that's fine, but the person who wrote the story is who tells the story, right? And even if the director takes the story a little further, adapts it, it's really who's who wrote the story in the first place. And you have things like Mulan, where it's four white writers talking about Asian stories. 
and I don't know if everybody's talked about it, Shang-Chi, all the, four of the five writers are white, and the, the Japanese-American director, who's also Hawaiian, um, is the only Asian writer on that staff, and he's not even Chinese. So it's like, who gets to tell that story? It really screws with the perspective. So, you know, when you're having mixed, mixed stories, you want to be able to have mixed people who can relate to that story. So I think that's really important when we have these and who, and also who holds the history, who tells the history. My uh, if cinema history classes in college never talked about that. If they're talking about Asian stories, it's, only, it's maybe only Bruce Lee, but they don't talk about all these different things. They only talk about the quote unquote classics. That's a problem. So, you know, it's, it's again, it's the people who tell the stories, who keep the history, who continue the legacies. That's what's going to matter. So, yeah. Naomi or uh, Rachel, any responses to um, David's, David's share here? I don't have any uh, thing further to add, but thank you so much for the history lesson. And I definitely want to explore my own history a little bit more. Um, I do have to go and I'm just so thankful for this conversation and for meeting you all and for so many of you staying for the three hours and listening. So um, thank you. No, thank goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're gonna actually wrap up. So if Rachel has a response, and we're gonna, we're gonna head out. I gotta, I gotta make some dinner and do some more more work. But yeah, thank you so much, Naomi, for for joining us. And Rachel, do you have any response or? Um, no, nothing to add. Just thank you, David, for sharing. I didn't, I didn't know any of that. And um, yeah, I mean, I. Wait, sorry, one sec. Let me just go outside um i don't know how many mixed asian or asian american writers were around in the 80s um and to jenny's point and your point as well david i think yeah it's about mixed asian people telling mixed asians authentic and uh i feel good about that going forward i think there are more um, mixed Asian, Asian American writers telling their stories and we need to keep fighting for them. And thank you, David, for putting this together. This has been so wonderful and thank you for having me. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> no, thank you everybody for joining and all the listeners as well. And, uh, David, thank you for your history lesson. I will take that forward as well. Um, and and you're, you're mixed too, right, David? My mom. My mom is mixed, so my mom is half Chinese. Yeah, you're mixed. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. Right? Even if you're a quarter, right? That's the, you know, uh, people, I think I heard one person said, they're like, I'm 16th Chinese. Is mixed Asian? I'm like, yeah, it means you're, you're mixed Asian, right? And so you can come to the cookout and have the conversation as well. You know, that's the whole, you know, not excluding anybody here. I think that's, it doesn't matter how. How Asian you are, we at some point either you're you're related to your family and your family's with the, with you. I think that's that's what we bring along on our journeys. But anyways, uh, we're we're, we're going to close out of here. It's, it's been a great, wonderful conversation. I'm so glad we got to have this. I'm I'm also really glad we had to have it on Clubhouse. We have so many different people, new questions, different perspectives. Uh, podcasts just don't work the same that way. And, I've been in podcast world for a while, so this has been wonderful. Um, you know, it's been like three hours. It's been a great time. and Glad everybody could join the conversation and, and 
bring so many different perspectives. This has been super cool and I hope definitely hope to have more. Um, we'll definitely keep having these as well. And it'll be a while before we go come, maybe come back to the next, uh, next conversation. Cause we have to go through a lot of different conversations. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody on the panel, everybody in the audience who stayed for so long. Um, and we're actually going to, we do these uh, conversations weekly. So similar conversations about Asians and media and what, what's the conversation being had, who's, who's being centered, all of these different things. And we're probably going to move into Saturdays um, around 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time, mainly because one, you know, work days are pretty hard. It's hard for me to, you know, stop work in the middle of a work week as well. And, uh, you know, for our East Coast folks, it's going to, it's, you know, three hours difference. So it's harder to have them six o'clock to, or five o'clock to eight o'clock, where now it's 11 over there. So makes people a little tired um and hopefully we'll have more audience people who can just join us on clubhouse and that's that would be the thing so but anyways um thanks again for joining our strong asian lead room you can find uh, our conversations on uh, clubhouse here live you can find our this will this has been recorded conversation as long as my computer works okay um we will have this replay on our podcast by tomorrow morning if you want to share it um someone who didn't get to join the conversation. I know people wanted to join the conversation today, but they're just busy. And so that's why we wanted the replay so that people can continue and listen in. They're not feeling left out. And um, yeah, continue. We're going to have a lot to offer in the next few weeks and months. And I'm glad to keep having this conversation. So Jenny or Rachel, do you have any last words you want to share and depart with us? Um, just thank you, David, for being such a good host and keeping the energy up all this time. I didn't realize how late it was. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. I hope we can do this again soon. For sure. Yeah, no, energy is important here. <laughs> Keep it up. Rachel? Uh, yes, I'll just say um, thank you, David. It was nice meeting you, Jenny. Uh, I don't think I've ever been a part of a conversation with this many mixed Asian people so that was really cool um, and hopefully there will be more yes most definitely there will be more and you know definitely go check out um, MAMFEST M-A-M-F-E-S-T that'll be from the, uh, September 15th to the 19th I'm hosting a couple different panels um, and moderating a networking event there's going to be tons of uh, I think they're doing a screenplay contest and screenplay lab. There's also a lot of short films that we're playing. So if this conversation was interesting to you and you're interested in more um, content and conversations, please go check them out as well. And follow the folks on stage who are still here, Rachel and Jenny, because they're doing amazing work as well. So thanks again for joining our clubhouse and uh, we'll see you next time and next week. Take care, everybody. Well, thanks again for listening to our clubhouse recording. If you made it to this far and three hours in, Wow, just thank you. So uh, I appreciate it. This is a part of my identity as well. So it's not something that I'm uh, un unskilled at talking about or uh, something I don't know anything about. But being mixed identity and being mixed Asian is uh, very different. I don't know. There's a lot to talk about. And I want to see more movies, hear more stories, and um, you know, just be a part of the conversation as, as long as we can still uh, talk with each other. And I think what's great about is that this this uh, this panel that we had with everybody again thank you everybody for joining um that we you know had different perspectives and different ideas and there is no one right answer there's no one wrong answer and i really just uh you know having having a really in-depth conversation about this was really fantastic like you heard some people say here in, in the recording that 
this is something you know they've never been they don't we can't remember we've never been in a room with so many mixed asians uh talking about it so this is a it's an ongoing conversation we'll come back to this sometime i'm sure um might be some time before we can get to it and and uh before we you know because we have to talk about a lot of different things we can't keep just having the mixed conversation um but i also really appreciate the uh, mixed Asian media team. So please um, go check out their MAM Fest at the middle of September. Give them a follow. They are always talking about this conversation. So definitely give them a follow. And I hope that uh, the con- continues, the conversation continues, and that even you will bring up your own conversations as well. Um, but again, thank you again for listening to our Strong Asian Lead Clubhouse recordings. Um, we will be back next week with another couple of episodes. We might have to do a little, take a little pause and hiatus as we uh, change change hands for different uh, positions and producer positions here uh, at Strong Asian Lead and try to get things uh, working out. So thank you so much. We will uh, keep posted and, you know, do our best here. So again, thank you so much and hope you had a great time. And I guess as the last plug, if you uh, are enjoying these conversations and you feel like you'd like to support, we always have our club, uh, our uh, crowdfunding campaign going go on our website at strongasianlead.com i believe it's slash crowdfunding but it's on the top of the website you can see it in the left hand corner and um yeah you know we would love your donations uh, that'd be really helpful but again we we just need to do this um and keep working towards it we have a lot of stuff coming up and i hope that we can continue doing this because if we can't um continue we might have to pretty be pretty slow <laughs> we won't have to complicate conversations but um, you know, I still gotta, everybody's still gotta eat. Everybody's gotta get their roof over the head and I still have a lot to work on my screenplay stuff. So I need my time back. <laughs> um, but, and you know, we can't, I can't do everything without a team and I, I don't want to not pay my team. I don't want to compensate, not compensate my team for the hard work they're doing. And, uh, cause it's really hard to do it alone. It's really hard. I, I can't do it alone. I physically can't. And so if we come down to the point that we don't have any more team members to work with us, um, we are going to have to pause. So that's just the reality. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. This is what's going to happen here at Strong Asian Lead if we don't continue. So again, if you've listened to this podcast all the way to here, this episode is like three hours long and I'm, you know, to a degree, I'm, I'm begging here. I'm begging here for help. I'm begging here for some extra cash and some way to keep it sustainable but really, I just need the help. Really, I need like some someone on social media, someone on our route. I think we just found someone for our outreach team. We need someone on our, our production and post. And yeah, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And if I don't have somebody helping me do it, uh, I'm going to have to take a pause. So until I get paid some other way, um, I still haven't been paid this whole year. Uh, I know people keep saying, you know, make sure to pay yourself. I'm like, we don't have a lot of money to pay that. And if we use it, I don't want to pay myself if we can't use it for something that we need. So, you know, I don't want to run into a problem that, that we can't handle. So, uh, that's my, that's my reality right now. So, uh, thanks for listening to that for a second. <laughs> I hope I'm not, I think I'm peaking this audio, but yeah, that's a, I'm a little, I'm asking, I'm asking for help. And if you're at this end of the podcast, Thank you for listening. So, all right, I'm out of here. Hope you all have a great week, and we'll be back next week. We'll also have a lot more Clubhouse conversations, um, hopefully pretty much weekly. I think we're going to do you know, Saturdays-ish, and 
you know, uh, I did get to go see Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings this past week. Thank you, Lawrence Yi. And uh, we had a great discussion on Clubhouse. Uh, we can't have any spoilers. We can't tell you what's going on. Um, but I can't wait to have the conversation uh, open, more open before and after the movie. So when we have uh, more perspectives, because I have a lot of ideas and a lot of and a lot of opinions. And uh, but at the end of the day, it was a great movie, and it's not pretty much what I can say. <laughs> and so I hope that you, uh, I, I loved it. I hope you go watch it. Um, but we will definitely have a more in-depth conversation when that comes out because there's a lot to talk about. All right. Well, I'm out of here. Talk to you later. Have a great evening. Thank you.